You're listening to episode 190 of the Incredible Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. I'm really happy to be here and be back so I can be incredible, but you guys are immortal now? We were. We were. You missed that. Wait, you lost your immortality? We gave it up to resurrect you collectively. Oh, Thanks, guys. I never knew you really loved me like that. Oh, that's so touching. <laughs> to, to be I, fair, con- contractual obligations sort of took hold, but I mean, yes. Wait, wait, what? What? What does it say in the contract, Marco? Well, five of us have to be alive in order to actually collect anything. So, I mean, yeah, I I died. So, <laughs> so, so you I don't think that's how immortality tomorrow. works. You die and then you just lose it. Dude, I'd be pissed. I want to return I mean, it. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, if you don't if you don't use it, you lose it, baby. <laughs> well, so uh, there is a lot to talk about this week uh, to the point where I don't even feel like we can spend time uh, lollygagging as we tend to do. Uh, but I, I do want to. <laughs> well, it feels uh-huh. good to have Phil back. It's been a while. Oh Phil's my god. Busy. Guys, the last two weeks were crazy for me. Yeah, you missed our Dark Knights Metal book club. Uh, I know, I heard it. It's fucked up. I want. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually hear it? Uh, I heard the first fifteen minutes of it. Oh, okay. nice. That's the same. Good to know. That's about all I would have given it. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've got a lot to tackle, including some mail from you guys. Uh, big news in the industry. We we got some more info about. What's going to happen with San Diego Comic-Con and uh, more DC stuff, more DC stuff. We talked about it for an hour last week. Strap in for this week. Uh, Before we get into all that, I want to let you guys know where you can find us. We are the Comics Pals all over the place. We are incredible, but if you type that in, who knows what you'll find. Uh, We are on social media at the Comics Pals. You can get us. If you want to write in at the comicspals at gmail.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you very much. Make sure while you're here that you leave us a like, drop us a comment, share this video with your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more awesome content. Hit the notification bell so that you're made aware when we drop new videos because you never know when that's going to happen. Well, you know when the show will drop, which is, of course, every Monday. And join our Discord where you can come out, uh, hang out with us. You know, have some fun conversations. We do stream, and you'll be made aware of that when we're on Discord. We'll share those links over there. Um, we streamed. For us, it was last night. That was pretty fun. We, uh, you know, had a few drinks, played a few games, played, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Jackbox. Jackbox. Party Pack 6. Yeah. Yep. And hanged out, uh, hung out with some, uh, some of you guys. So. A lot of fun had. Yeah, absolutely. That, ten- that tends to be Friday nights. Yes, yeah, that's kind of when we seem to be doing it. We're definitely planning on doing another one this Friday. So if you missed this last one and you want to tune into uh, our next stream, we're going to be doing uh, this Friday night. Sean is going to just beat the ever-loving shit out of Marco and Super Smash Brothers. So I can't wait to see that. It's going to be. It's going to be. Sean is going to take Marco behind the woodshed and put him out of his misery. Yeah, Sean, <laughs> re- Sean is real good at Super Smash. Seriously, 
Yeah, and Marco's talking a lot of shit because he practiced a little bit. So now he thinks oh, that he, he practiced a little bit. I know. Now so, he thinks his arms are long enough to box with God, and I just oh, I don't I think that. it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna work that way. Marco went and bought the game and finished the solo campaign. He thinks he's good enough. <laughs> I got. This. I beat the final boss. I'm really good. He hasn't Honestly, beaten the final boss yet. He hasn't seen me. The thing is, Marco, when you were saying that, it gave me a flashback to when my uh, my cousin's son thought he could beat me in a Pokemon battle because he had a few legendaries, mm. and I just just de- just decimated his spirit, and that's like what I think is about to happen to you. <laughs> and he's my blood. What is Sean gonna do to you? Spill his blood. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, just so you know, Phil, here's the here are the stakes. <laughs> yeah. Here are oh, the stakes. the stakes! I forgot if, about the stakes. Yep, yep. If Marco wins, right? It's going to be two when. out of three. If Marco wins, when? If Marco okay. wins, right. if is generous. Well, I, when is Friday? Sean is going to win. <laughs> I will buy and read anything that Marco says for me to buy and read digitally. Right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> right? Oh, okay. Okay. But, but when I win, if. Marco has to phys- buy and physically read any event comic that I choose. And so, of course, the first event comic that I thought of was Cry for Justice. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, Marco, you're fucked, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Mar- like Amazon attacks or something like that. Oh. <laughs> Marco, and this was Marco's idea. Marco brought it up last night in the in the in the, uh, in the stream, and I went, "Oh, that's it." Uh, <laughs> the the goes, pals like, are about to disband. It's done. <laughs> he uh, goes, "Marco, what have you done?" <laughs> listeners, Marco, it's very clear to me that he's a sadomasochist. I think we knew this, but I didn't know how much. Listen, so, Marco, wait. Yeah. Can you give me a little? Can you give me a little? Uh, give me a little proof that you think, like, how? T- proof to me that you could beat Sean. I need to feel a little confidence in you here. You want the proof, listeners? Tune in on Friday. Oh. Wow. Oh. Big talk, small man. That's all I need, oh. boy. The bigger bite. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, you should have heard it last night, Phil. It was tremendous. <laughs> it was so good. You guys can wow. probably go back and watch the stream, right, Pete? Yeah, the archive should still be there for at least for now. Uh, I think yeah. I might download it and like maybe start throwing these up on YouTube or something. Oh yeah. fuck yeah, yeah. So uh, if you it's in the you, last like thirty minutes or something. If you want to hear the gauntlet get thrown down, uh, go listen, check listen, that out. Listen, 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 Marco. I face you with Super Smash Brothers. And you sucked. I think Sean is Super Smash Brothers, and he kicked my ass. I think I'm like I think I'm a five or a six on a Smash scale. Sean's like an I don't know a nine. Nah. And Marco, nah, that's a lot of credit. You're, and, and and Marco, you're like a three, baby. Baby, I didn't have the game. Uh, I will played. say, Marco, Marco, when we played last time, he had gotten a lot better because, and I could tell he had been practicing. I so hadn't like, been. All right, well then, whatever. Marco, we'll can see. you beat your brother? Yeah. R- consistently? Uh pretty much. No. Like like uh, like out of out of maybe 5 games, I'll take the 3 typically. 
Interesting. Ooh. Okay. That's not good enough. <laughs> I think I faced Sean That's 20 the- times and I won one round. <laughs> Marco's brother is pretty pretty all right. So if you can beat him, then this might actually be fun. This might be a game. <laughs> what I thought was interesting was Sean said that he could beat all of us plus like three other people at the same time and that's what I want to see next. That's the <laughs> next that, that might have been just induced by, you know, uh, some inebriation on my part. But uh, Sean, Sean, what, what character did you use? True. I use a lot of people. I'm not going to oh, okay, tell okay. you anything Sean's that just would like, help I'll take you. you all on. The, the, the fact that you even have one character. Me? I have three. It's like. Okay. Mm. All right. I'll tell you my three if you tell me your three. All right. I like this. Why is first? Go Let's go. Go ahead. Me? Yeah. Yeah, Marco, who's your first one? My first one right now is Pac-Man. And then okay. it's Luigi. And then it's Ness. Oh, my God. My man said Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Wolf. Cloud. Friggin' oh, my God. Um... Pokemon trainer, uh, Mario, Donkey Kong, like whoever. But the first three are probably the three you'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, Phil. I always think of Sean as playing Mega Man too. I because in Brawl uh, or in Four, Mega Man was my main. But I've changed my ways. I I like to play the characters that are good, so that's what I do. Fair. All Fair. right. Uh, so he tune in, Pac Man. I can't believe he said Pac Man. That's probably Fucking a lie, man. <laughs> That's uh, such a Marco character to me. Yeah, I know he plays yep. Luigi. So he probably likes it too. Tune in <laughs> on Friday if you guys want to see the epic showdown between Marco and I. I promise to put on a show. It'll be a good time, regardless. Twitch.tv/slash The Comic Spouse. There you go. Friday uh, seven ish. Friday night yeah. fight. <laughs> Friday night fight. Uh, let's shift gears and get into the listener mail. The first one up is actually coming from Wilbur Shears. All right. So this was a comment over on episode 189 of the Comics Pals and uh, talking about the opening conversation that we had last week about uh, police brutality and uh, the Black Lives Matter protesting that had been going on. And uh, Will said, that's what this podcast is for me too. I feel like there's a dangerous amount of the population that doesn't want to think about this and wants to get back to their brunches. That makes me sad. It makes me cynical. But all, but all I choose to focus on thing are sorry. Um, all I choose to focus on the thing are the things that are in my control: voting, my sobriety, and doing my best to be a compassionate person to others, and hoping the same for the same in return. Much love, pals. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, that that's that's a comment that I really appreciate. If the if this podcast can be that refuge for you, uh, obviously a person who is aware and is trying to. Um, better themselves and, you know, just be a good person in the world, which is really what we need more than anything. I think, you know, thinking about the problems of the world and trying to correct them is important. But if we all just mutually agreed to be good to each other, we wouldn't have any, any of these problems in the world. So if more and more people had the mentality that you clearly do, that would be wonderful. And also if more and more people listen to this podcast, that would be mutually beneficial. So let's, let's do that too. The world would just be a better place. Yeah. Congratulations on your sobriety, too, man. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next is next up is from Steve, and this was on uh, episode one eighty nine, speaking about the Dark Knight's metal book. Oh wait, no, this would have been same episode, right? Yeah, yeah same episode. Yeah. Oh wait, that's what it was. Okay, my bad. 
I was thinking this was 189. Um, <clears throat> speaking about the Dark Knights Metal Book Club, hey pals, always enjoy me a comic book club episode. I look forward to hearing your views and summaries on things I've already read, and it's helpful to hear input from people. Or I'm sorry, it's helpful to, helpful to hear input from people who are more knowledgeable than I am on certain books. For example, my reaction was something like, what the fuck is Baby Darkseid? What the hell is happening? <laughs> There's so much lore and background knowledge needed to really get Dark Knight's Metal. I'm 100% a Marvel zombie. I've never heard a Marvel fan call themselves a Marvel zombie, and that's good. Really? <laughs> yeah, I've never heard that before. Uh, I'm 100% a Marvel zombie and have very little history and knowledge outside of the basics regarding DC. So if I could make a book club request, maybe you guys could quickly explain certain things that are crucial to fully understanding the material, but non-hardcore fans might not be aware of. Example, Baby Darkseid. Where did he come from? How did he get Batman buttoned? Or Benjamin buttoned, excuse me. <laughs> Batman buttoned. <laughs> Batman buttoned. <laughs> I know some of this is on the reader. The creators aren't required to hold our hands and explain every bit of canon history to us, as that would bring the pace to a crawl. Maybe Metal isn't a great example, as this story pulls from a lot more past happenings and other events. But it'd be cool if you guys could do a super basic TLDR style in the future on things that some readers might not be familiar with. If you need to have read Morrison's entire Batman run to get it, then obviously that's not on you guys, haha. But maybe during, uh, quote, during so-and-so's run, Darkseid was baby <laughs> babyfied because of XYZ. If you, uh, if you want uh, more, you can read these issues, something like that. The issue then becomes, well, what do most people know and not know? So I guess it's hard to cover all levels of a fan knowledge base. But it's just my suggestion, if at all practicable. I also look forward to books that I haven't read that you guys review because then I save the episode, we'll grab the trade off Amazon or whatever, and eventually read and then come listen to your club episode. So keep them coming. Also, regarding my last Superman email about the Man of Steel being and uh, being about Man of Steel being about finding himself, someone, Marco, I think, said that's exactly what Man of Steel is about. And I feel, felt really stupid because you're 100% right, haha. Not sure what I was thinking. See you guys. See you, Steve. Okay. You. So, uh, to the last point, it was me. Yeah, it was a thousand percent Sean. It was definitely Sean. Yeah. Uh, Sean's the only enough, only one of us with bad enough opinions to, to hold that. Well, <laughs> that, you, be that as it may, you guys all agreed with what Steve said in his mail, and he was completely wrong, and that's why I called him out, and he is man enough to accept the fact that he was wrong. So, there you go. <laughs> Well, it's just because uh, I wasn't here to prove that, you know, he's still wrong. It's okay. You weren't here on that episode, what he said. as a matter so of fact. It wasn't 189. Uh, so, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And then to the rest of your comments, I really wanted to have this uh, read on the air because I really appreciated this comment. It's awesome to hear that you enjoy the book clubs. Uh, I think all five of us, the book clubs are something that we're really, really passionate about doing. And it's some of the more fun we get to, to have. Um, and knowing that there's something specific that we could do to make the book club experience better for you is really cool. And I would encourage anyone who uh, has thoughts about any aspect of what we do to write in and let us know what we could be doing better. Uh, to the thing about Baby Dark Side, I really wish I had included a little bit more uh, information about that because I recognize how wild that is. Um, but, you know, when we're in the midst of a conversation and people are taking things in different directions and I'm taking things in different directions, just kind of fell by the wayside. To answer you, though, uh, from what I can recall, after the Dark Side War, um, Dark Side has this daughter, I think, yeah, Grail. And uh, oh, she yeah. turned him into a, or like it was the baby of 
uh, Mazis, the 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 reverse Shazam from the yep. the crime syndicate, who is really mm. like Luthor and, and Superwoman. Superwoman. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, and Superwoman, who is really Lois Lane, they have a baby, and then that baby becomes Darkseid after Grail makes it Darkseid somehow. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that's what it was. No, that's right. That sounds right. <clears throat> that's yeah. wild. I, and I think the only I definitely other... appreciate the feedback, though, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, think that's yeah. a good idea. The only other piece of context was the Joker stuff, which I had mentioned, on like needing to have read the Endgame piece and the. Um... Mm-hmm. The stuff after the the uh, bunny, the robot Batman. <laughs> you mean uh, that when Jim Gordon becomes yeah, yeah, Batman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do think Dark Knight's metal. I mean, you guys had an easy time acclimating yourselves to it. In my opinion, uh, it, it was a little bit heavy on the required knowledge to really get all the aspects of it. Um, but it's. Good to know that people who don't have as much knowledge about those events as I do were still able to enjoy the book. Um, yeah, so we haven't we haven't actually gotten to talk too too much about the metal sequel, uh, which actually drops this upcoming week. Uh, so we're gonna be reviewing that for you guys uh, on next week's episode of the show. And that's going to segue us into our pals polls. Thank you guys for writing in. We really appreciate it. Um, so Phil and I both chose, and Marco, as a matter of fact, all chose Dark Knight's Metal, Dark Knight's Death Metal number one. Uh, yeah. Uh, Batman Dinosaur. Let's go. What more do you really need? Warren Ellis, T-Rex Batman. T-Rex Batman. Let's B-Rex. go. B-Rex. <laughs> Uh, it's got to be dumb. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> are Are you gonna reread Metal to prepare for this? Or are you just gonna dive in, Phil? Uh, we'll see how the week goes. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Marco, you pulled this too, man. What's your hype level? Uh, I think when we had uh, last episode when we talked about it, I wasn't necessarily excited about it from a storyline perspective. Um, I think. More so, it is the the writing team, the, the the more out there character, and I think Swamp Thing was included at some point. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Very eloquent, my friend. <laughs> so Dark Knight's Death Metal had better be damn good because it actually drops on my birthday, uh, Hell this yeah. upcoming Tuesday, and uh, next week will be my birthday show. So we'll be reviewing it on my birthday show. Very excited for that. I think this book will probably be a good time. Uh, the original is fun, and it's crazy. Um, like you know, expect not everything to feel right within the DC universe. Expect there to be a lot of out there character inclusions and stuff you wouldn't normally see. That's the fun of an event like this, and it's something that uh, I'm happy to see Snyder, Capullo, and Co. taking on. Because uh, we could use a little fun in comics right now. And so I think Death Metal will bring that. Uh, we also have uh, from Marco as well, After Realm number two. Uh, this is Michael Avon Oming's series. Uh, he's doing the writing as well as all of the inks on it. I love his art. Um, I know him from Power specifically with Bendis. And I mean, I, I typically follow him just because of that. 
uh, he he's a great creator, and this has a fantasy sort of magic aspect to it that uh, was interesting. I did read the first one; it was it was pretty good. It 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 brought me in, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it started as a webtoon, but um, it has a uh, a not as webtoony feel, so it's cool. Okay, Marco, I'm sorry, but we have to explain this for the YouTube viewer. <laughs> for the last half hour, Phil has been editing a picture we have of Kale from his high school graduation where he's just in a super rich and he photoshopped it onto the action number one cover. And it's just exquisite. Oh We're going to put God. this up on social. If you want to see it, go to our Instagram or our oh Twitter. Oh, my God. It's just too fucking good. If you want to see the funniest picture you're going to see all week, at the very least, you need to head to our social right now. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so so the artist can explain this process here. I just thought it'd be funny to have this guy in the corner of Kale kind of kind of being Superman, you know, like, oh, geez, that's that's, that's 2020 Kale right now. Is- <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking classic. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a car Oof. crash. Oh, um, wow. All right. From, <laughs> from Kale, we've got Dial H for Hero Volume 2. <laughs> Listen, everybody wants to be a hero, you know? Oh, my God. And, and what else could I say about Dial H for Hero? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> right of the show, Jordan Gibson's working on it. You know anything yeah, else? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my former, my former best friend, who's definitely gonna disown me after after seeing this. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he did the colors on it. It's uh, Joe Canones and Sam Humphreys doing the art and the uh, writing. Um, um, respectively, this was a uh, a book about uh, a teenager who finds a phone that can turn him into uh, any type of superhero. Are you and, still- uh, just thinking about a teen turning into a superhero and then looking at that cover, man. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> good. Dilates for hero. Volume two. Yeah. Very good. Go pick right. it up. Dilates for Kale. Kale, can I post that on the Discord? I mean, if you're gonna post it on social media, you might as well post it on the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've gonna... already made the promise. Like, what's the put? What are you asking me for? <laughs> oh god alright and then uh, from Pete we've got wind at number one yeah so I think we talked about this what last week or two weeks ago now a couple weeks ago um, yeah 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 so this is uh, from James Tinian um, and then uh, Michael Dial Dial yes I have no idea how to say your last name Michael I'm sorry 
Um, <clears throat> but yeah, this is this one just looked really interesting. The art style definitely caught my eye. Um, and I, I remember when we read the preview of it, it was something that just very much sound, sounded like a book that hit a lot of themes I was interested in. Um, it's like a world where uh, magic is suppressed. So if you have magic, you're kind of a fugitive. And there's this like underground group of magicians and... You know, our main character, like, has to join up with them and hide the fact that they're magical and everything. Sounds like a good ride. Um, I definitely want to give it a shot. So, uh, yeah, here's hoping it's good. Awesome. Yeah, I'll most likely be picking that up as well. I think it's going to be very, very good. Uh, so let's jump into the news. And we have to start, unfortunately, with something really sad. And it's always a bummer when we have to do these. But uh, we do have to comment on the passing of Denny O'Neill. Uh, so Dennis O'Neill is a legendary comic book writer, editor, etc. Um, I think he's probably most known for his Batman stuff. I think that's that's fair to say. Uh, and then he did some Green Lantern, Green Arrow stuff. Um, Superman versus <clears throat> Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah. So, I didn't realize that one was him. Yeah, I mean he's 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 he did a lot in his 81 years. Uh he got started in comics in the 60s actually as Stanley's assistant, which is pretty cool. Um and you know, dabbled in Marvel and then did some major DC stuff. I think we owe a lot of our current perception of Batman to him. Oftentimes we we credit you know, uh, guys like uh, Frank Miller and various people. Which go ahead. Uh, Frank Miller credits his Batman to to Denny O'Neill. I saw that this week. Right, exactly. And like we always credit the people who've maybe mm. done a little more high profile stuff, but without O'Neill, we don't even get there. So um, he was probably him and, and Adams were like the primary people who said, okay. We need to do something about the fact that Batman is, is seen as a campy clown now after the, um, the the TV show. And they revamped the character, took him back to his darker roots, and gave us some of the classic stories that would lead to some of the, the major things that we've, that we've seen since. Uh, I don't think we get Batman 89 if we don't if, if O'Neill doesn't exist. Um, if he doesn't work on on Batman, so or like Batman the animated series, like any of those, like what I think like our generation thinks of as like the classic take on Batman, you know, is like was not the case uh, before before him and a lot of the people that came after him. Yeah, yeah, he, absolutely. Um, he made he made Batman into James Bond. You know, he sent him around the world, helped create Rachel Ghoul and stuff. Yep. Um. I mean, his work in in helping to remove the the comics code from comic books, like he he what he did in comics at the time with Green Lantern and Green Arrow, uh, he was pushing the boundaries uh, of 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 what it like what it meant meant to be a hero, but also just like creating flawed characters and trying to really tackle you know civil rights issues for the time. You know, there was that famous panel where a man comes up to uh, Hal Jordan and says like you go help the green man and the purple man but what about the black man and Hal Jordan's like fuck I'm a racist <laughs> <laughs> or or Green Arrow sees this war oh, uh, 
uh, shooting dope. Uh, he what? <laughs> he he did though. It's it's true. Uh, Denny O'Neill really challenged comic books for the time, and he is a true pioneer. He's on the Batman Mount Rushmore without question. Um, and he was just a real sweetheart of a man by all accounts. Yeah, uh, from what I read in the last years of his life, uh, he was in poor health. Um, he had been struggling, and that's, you know, that's sad to hear. Uh, I did want to read some words from Jim Lee, who is the publisher over at DC. He said, Rip Denny O'Neill, one of the visionary architects of DC Comics who helped revive Batman in the 70s and remains my favorite Green Lantern writer to date. Through his editing and writing, Denny was one of the earliest writers whose work and focus on social issues pushed comics to wider respectability and acceptance as an art form. Through his work and mentorship, he influenced generations of writers and artists. I was so starstruck meeting Denny for the first time that he was just the kindest. Our condolences to his family and many fans around the world. So that speaks to what uh, Phil was just saying about you know what he did to introduce social issues into comics. He... He did an interview on, on Kevin Smith's podcast eight years ago or so. It, it It's very thorough. I think if you ever wanted like a full kind of career introspective and life introspective on Denny O'Neill, uh, I think that's a really good interview to listen to. Yeah, it's 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 sad. Uh, 81, though, is a, is a full life. And... It's great that we got to have him around for as long as we did. And his last story that, that you know, presumably uh, is actually going to be in the Joker 80th book. So, um, which just dropped this last Tuesday, last week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's presumably the last thing we'll get out of him. And it's pretty cool that he was able to contribute to something that monumental before he passed. So. Yeah, especially for, you know, a character connected to a mythos he was so instrumental in shaping. Yeah. Absolutely. Rest in really peace. Sucks. Yeah. Really yeah. Sucks. One of the all-time greats for sure. So, moving forward, we have to talk about the next, or I should say the first major piece of DC content that's heading on over to HBO Max. No, I'm not talking about the Snyder Cut of Justice League. I'm talking about Doom oh, Patrol. Swamp Thing? Oh. No. But that's going to CW. <laughs> yeah, that's going to the CW. Uh, I'm talking about Doom Patrol Season 2. Oh, finally, some delicious fucking food. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I actually did not watch Doom Patrol Season 1. I think, Marco, you saw some of it, right? Yeah, I got in about four episodes, and it was really good. Uh, they, The concepts, what they drew from was largely the uh, Morrison stuff, and it's wacky. It's uh, it, it's good. It, it's just it's very, very good. Kale, did you, you said you checked out the first episode? I, I yeah, the first episode was uh, available for free somewhere, um, and I I really really enjoyed it. Uh, Brendan Fraser as Robot Man is a performance that you will never forget. Wow, I didn't yeah. realize that he was Robot Man. Yeah, well, he's awesome. a robot. Um, mm, good point. 
uh, <laughs> fucking oh the the real pretty guy from White Collar is um fuck what's his the invisible man collar, negative dude. man not you Shut you son of a hell. bitch <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt something Bomer Matt Bomer is uh, the negative man as well and. It, it's one of those performances where like oh yeah he's doing the voice but like he's probably not under the the bandages or whatever but he definitely is yeah di- and it is tremendous di- uh, the costume di- work is really good i have to say um i don't really remember what it looked like for season one but i was impressed by the look of this trailer like it doesn't look like um you know i think like what sean always calls out about a lot of like the cw shows where like they just look like budget and it looks like everyone's in a halloween costume like i didn't get that vibe from this it, it looks like they updated it a little bit um the the they were still sort of similar and i think it kind of plays to the charm of it though because the a lot of the the content's a little campy so i think it helped to sort of accentuate it a little bit um but but yeah i, I do think that they definitely had a bigger budget it looks like more effects are being overlaid, and um, I mean, from the trailer, it looked like a lot of fun. Like uh, to what you're saying, Marco, it feels like a little bit like a B movie, but like in a good way. Yes, yeah. You know, like in the same way that, like, I think of like something like Evil Dead, where it's like that's part of the appeal is that it's like a little bit lo-fi, but not in a way that like takes you out of it. Yeah, I mean, even the Swamp Thing stuff was something similar, where it was it, it it looked like a B horror movie, but in the in in the sense of a uh, not necessarily limited by budget, but because they were trying to get to a certain point and aesthetic with it. Yeah, it's like an homage to that yeah. style. Almost. Yeah. Marco, are you excited for the inevitable Riverdale Swamp Thing crossover? Uh, I mean, you have to be, especially considering the musical episodes. I mean, uh, a whole thing. <laughs> Uh, a whole thing about the uh, protecting the green that, that that was a really good rock song I think so yeah who do you think would who do you think they're gonna be uh, uh, ripping off for that for that musical for that musical the boss probably Springsteen yeah or wow. the boss baby uh, definitely oh, at the boss wow. baby <laughs> oh god yeah uh, Doom Patrol looks cool I think uh, I think the team and 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 uh, kind of era and source material that it comes from lends itself to being a little campy um also kind of the themes kind of are reminiscent of the second guardians of the galaxy movie where it's like oh we're a bunch of misfits but we're family Mm. yeah i bet this one does it better like a real uh fast and the furious thing you know exactly it's all about family I I, th- I thought this looked awesome. Uh, immediately, I was intrigued by uh, Elasta Woman. I think her name is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, she seems like a, an interesting character. Uh, Crazy Jane, Robot Man, and also I, I, I really at first when I first first saw the the Doom Patrol trailer for season one, didn't like the fact that Cyborg was in this because he was also in the movies, um, but. I feel like this cyborg looks different than the movie one Mm -hmm. and his inclusion without having ever seen the show just kind of seems cool. And uh, this reminds me a lot of Umbrella Academy, but it looks kind of more settled into what it is. And maybe that's because this is season two, but, Mm. you know, it just looks really well put together. So I'm into it. When I watched the... the Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. When I watched the pilot 
uh, Umbrella Academy and Doom Patrol, the pilots came out at around the same time. And Doom Patrol, it's funny, Umbrella Academy is a, uh, sort of a, an homage to Doom Patrol, uh, the comics. But the Doom Patrol show is a better Umbrella Academy than Umbrella Academy is at Doom Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... One thing that you may notice if you watch the trailer is that there is not any mention at all of DC Universe app. I thought that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. They Which, called it like a Max original or whatever. Yep. Right. And this show is actually dropping on both platforms. Ooh. Oh, but that seems like a good move. That seems like the right call. I think it is, but... The fact that they're not promoting the DC Universe app is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so adjacent to that is the news that the DC Daily Show from the DC Universe streaming service is actually canceled. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Now, by all accounts, this show was extremely cheap to produce. Uh, just because it's like a few people sitting on a, a stage, you know, a sound stage or whatever that sits there um, talking. And that's really the only thing that they do. They have guests and things like that, but they're writers or DC people who are, I'm sure, more than happy to come on and promote their books. That show's going away. Now, the report from Collider suggests that the reason it's going away is because they couldn't figure out how to do it uh Within the the structure of the quarantine and and, and the rules and restrictions surrounding that, hmm. that seems silly. Yeah, because like, tons of other shows are doing fine. Yeah, yeah. especially and this like, one little show called uh, the Comics Pals. <laughs> yeah, we're just out here rolling. We figured it out a long time ago. Yeah, I, I just that seems like bullshit, right? Like that seems like a very convenient excuse because. Mm. If the format of the show is a bunch of people sitting on a set having a conversation, you know it's a really, really easy way to make a socially distant, safe version of that show. Buy everyone a cheap USB microphone and a cheap webcam and make the same goddamn show, which is literally like that's what like major talk shows are doing. You know, like Jimmy Fallon's like having fucking mm. Skype calls with people. You know, like that's that's what you do. That would be how you transition it. Well, and, like, I can't imagine that enough people were watching this that not doing it for three months or whatever while they were in quarantine would have hurt it that much. Yeah. I, that seems like a way more likely scenario is that it was cheap, produ- cheap pr- to produce, but not enough people were watching it that it was worth investing the resources mm-hmm. to make a version of it that didn't take place on the set that they already had established. They were doing the, the Zoom thing, and... Uh-huh. Uh, I guess they they just didn't feel like that was good enough for whatever reason. I look at this as more of a sign of things to come because they're removing this show, which was totally exclusive and also a regularly occurring piece of new content. So they're getting rid of that. The Doom Patrol Season 2 that we just talked about is not exclusive to DC Universe app. And by all accounts, what comes from the DC camp of shows will no longer be exclusive to DC Universe app. So other than comics, what is 
the incentive to have the DC Universe app over HBO Max. Right now, it would be the DC slate of movies and TV shows from the animated side on when it comes to shows. And the movies, the DC, the HBO Max app actually is getting rid of almost all of their movies, their DC movies, uh, this month, I believe. Yeah. July, I think it was. July. Yeah. Yeah. So that that is I think the most interesting wrinkle is because like why would they be cuz I I agree with you Sean where I feel like this feels like they're ramping up to like winding down or evolving the purpose of the DC app but why would you remove all those movies and stuff like why wouldn't it be the opposite right that you'd be seeing more of that content coming to HBO Max not less or not stuff getting taken off maybe they're preparing for a a big relaunch or something Maybe. I don't they're know. Ta- like They're taking it off so that when everything goes to HBO Max, they can make it a big celebration or something. So yeah. these the rights to these uh, streaming services and, and what can be on them is always very weird. Um, clearly, there are some issues when it comes to that. They probably are taking these off because some of these are, are on other streaming services. Uh, for example, uh, The Matrix was on, is or was on HBO Max, and is or was leaving. The reason is because it's it's on Netflix. So hmm. there have been a lot of weird rights issues when it comes to HBO Max. And it honestly feels like this whole thing, this whole launch has been confusing and bungled. Botched. It's, yeah. They fucked it so bad. <laughs> Especially as it relates to the fact that they already had an HBO app, two HBO apps, I think, and a DC exclusive app. I worry for the future of the DC Universe app, 100%. If you you remember, the the DC Universe app had equally as shitty an opening as as this did. And even even though that I think like... There was definitely a lot of content there that seemed to resonate with people. Like, obviously, Titans, I think, did well enough to warrant a season two. People, I know critics really like Doom Patrol. Yeah, and three. Fair. Yeah. Um, And despite the fact that Swamp Thing didn't necessarily connect, like, I know that that was also really warmly received by critics. So it's like, it feels like that is probably the right move. Because I don't think that the DC Universe app is compelling enough. You know, like, I think doubling down on it like if you want to have all that stuff there and be on hbo max i think that makes sense because Mm. i think all of that stuff being on hbo max is pivotal to hbo max's success and it being compelling and it being a a, you know a worthy competitor to disney plus um you need the dc library of of content Mm. but i think you could double down on the dc universe app as sure all that stuff is there too but like just really like Go all in and make it more comics oriented. Maybe make it a little cheaper. The uh, Star Girl is a CW show. It was gonna be on DC Universe, and now it's on CW. Yeah, because uh, it still says it on the app. I've, I've I've been scrolling through that. It's still a, a original, uh, a DC original, uh, and then actually, I think I think it premieres first. On the app and then CW. Okay, and and interesting. And Titans isn't actually on HBO, so you have to watch it. Uh, as is Swamp Thing, you 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 can only watch them on the DCU app. 
Uh, that and, just seems like a bad idea. Yeah, and and they also recently, maybe the past few months, introduced a thing called rewards to try. It feels like to try to get people to to earn these points by reading, by engaging with the actual app, and in turn you get like pins or something, uh, and and you can redeem based off of whatever they have like a, like a, a whole list of these are the top earners this week and stuff like that. So there's been a lot of activity trying to get people to use it. So to Sean's point, maybe this is sort of the, uh, this might be a last, last ditch effort to try to get people to use it before they start to maybe absorb some other stuff into HBO. HBO Max is already the, I believe it's the most expensive streaming service at $15. Yeah. It, it, Are you serious? I didn't yeah. even. Oh my god! Yeah. What a joke! It should include the DC universe. App, I I believe. Uh, I don't know what they're thinking over there, and they need to do something, in my opinion, because both launches were were not well done, and like I said, I don't feel like DC Universe app is worth getting right now. Because unless you just really want to watch Batman, the animated series, which there are a lot of people who do, uh, there's just not enough value. I don't know. And I, I don't know, man. Like, you compare it to the launch of Disney Plus, and it's like a night and day difference. Where, like, Warner and Disney are, like, the two biggest media companies. Like, they should be direct rivals in this competition. And, like, I don't feel like Warner is showing up at all. Like, the narrative around Disney Plus when it came out was like, okay, cool. Like, there were some buggy quality of life things that didn't work out. But, like, by and large, it was successful. Millions of people adopted it. Within a few weeks, everyone was talking about The Mandalorian. And now it's a thing, right? A bunch of people have it. You're in or you're not. Whereas with this, I don't even feel like the average person is totally aware that this exists. And, like, we talked about it last week. I didn't know how much it cost. Um, And I have had people reach out to me and be like what's going on with the Snyder cut like how is that working that's where is that coming out like I just I don't feel like they have communicated what it is what's available what the cost should be like any of that stuff well at all and the fact that there are like heavy hitters that are that were there and are now already leaving or aren't there at all like things like the Batman the animated series aren't there like that's a huge blow Because you think about when Disney Plus came out, like a huge part of the conversation outside of the new stuff was also like, oh, it's so cool that I can go rewatch X-Men. It's so cool that I can go rewatch Spider-Man. And Warner could easily do that. They have the library. They're just not putting it all in one place because they're segmenting shit across like five different SKUs now. It's ridiculous. It's pretty brutal. Hopefully they find a solution quickly that can allow the DC Universe app to thrive because I think it existing is is good but we'll have to wait and see so we now know what to expect from San Diego Comic Con at home we talked a few weeks ago about the announcement that we would be still getting some version of uh, Comic Con that we all know and love but that it would be taking place at your house. You would be able to watch it from home, through your computer, through your phone, whatever the case may be. But we didn't know the details of it. And now we have a little bit more info. This is coming from uh, Steve Weintraub from Collider. Uh, on Twitter, he posted, Breaking, 
San Diego Comic-Con at Home will be held on the same dates as the previously canceled Comic-Con, July 22nd through 26th, and it will be free. They're promising panels and presentations about comics, gaming, television, film, and a wide variety of topics from publishers, studios, and more. That sounds pretty cool. The fact that it's free is is very interesting. The yeah. first and last time that I'll ever be able to attend San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the only time you'd ever want to attend San Diego Comic-Con. Also fair. I, I really like this. I think it's a very good gesture on the part of uh, Comic-Con International. They think I think they get a pretty bad rap. I'm not saying whether it's justified or not because I don't know, but the event itself is always clogged, very difficult to uh, traverse. They've put a focus and a spotlight more on movies and things like that that are not comics related than comics, and that's pushed a lot of people out. And it's very difficult to get to the comics and creators and all that type of stuff. With this, there are no lines. You'll be able to curate your own experience without having to worry about, can I make this panel in time because i got to walk 20 minutes from here to here. You know, Now you can set up your schedule however you want and see whatever you want. Presuming that we get the same quality of announcements and panels and conversations, this could be pretty cool as a one-time thing to do during this quarantine period. This is not something that I have any interest in outside of this, but for now, I think this is a great alternative. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I think... I like I I like conventions, you know, and I know that that's like a kind of hot or cold thing. Like, obviously, conventions wouldn't be as popular as they are um, if there weren't a significant number of people that enjoyed that experience. Um, but to me, like a big part of the fun of conventions is like getting to see you guys and like getting to see friends that I don't get to see very often, or like getting to um, see what creators that we're you know friendly with or that we're fans of are up to and. Um, getting to go to a panel and get an exclusive comic and all that kind of stuff like that's that's what it's about for me you know is is the the kind of the weekend of it the the trek of it um so i wouldn't want something like this to be the norm or the replacement necessarily but i think in a year where you know we're like we're just we're not going to get that experience it's not going to happen i'm totally with you this feels like a good a nice gesture, a nice, a nice substitute, and something that you know will give us something to talk about. Yeah. Uh, actually, senpai, nothing personnel, but uh, this is a big win for me and my fellow nerds. We don't have to leave the house. We can order Taco Bell through Grubhub. I can eat my triple gordita oh, supreme and fancy. drink my super large Mountain Dew Express, and yes. uh, I don't. I don't have to get mad. You mean you're not getting Baja Blast when you're ordering from Taco Bell? I thought that you were a gentleman. Oh, What the fuck is Mountain Dew Express? Have I been out of the country that long? Baja Blast. Senpai, what do you think I hook up to my veins? Anyway, (laughs) I won't have to get mad seeing girls there, fake gamer girls, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, this is a big win for me, and, uh, 
The boys. Everyone like me. Yeah, it's a big Fake win. gamer girls and cosplay thoughts, right? <laughs> it's a big win for us gentlemen. <laughs> Tip of the fedora, team. Tip of the fedora. Awful. Truly awful. <laughs> just, just terrible. Just terrible. Marco, how do you feel about this? Uh, Sean, you tore my heart in twain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And how did I do that, fedora man? No XL burrito could repair this pain I feel. If anything, that burrito would hurt my heart. <laughs> we oh all know how God. weak your heart is. The douche chills I feel right now. <laughs> uh, I have uh, no strong feelings about this. I'm, I am I guess I'm going to tune in um, and see, but I don't typically go for the the cosplay or like the the movie releases or whatever it is that like like th- this isn't for me necessarily like the gaming the masquerades I, these aren't things i participate in so hmm. I, I don't know i i, I might tune in I, I might see the schedule when they finally do post it see if there's anything of interest but i think some of the smaller comic conventions have done it a little bit better at least for the stuff that i'm interested in yeah but this as of right now Mm, I'll see. I think the biggest benefit to comics uh, of this will be the fact that it'll be a lot easier for people to engage with exactly what they want to. And Mm. there will be more space to spotlight, um, you know, smaller press or, or anything like that, because now you're not, you're, you might be competing for time. There might be panels, taking place at the same time but if you really want to see comic book stuff you can get there and not have to be late because you're coming from something else and i i think that's huge and i also think it's huge that presumably there will be some type of presentation that comic creators will be able to make of their work or you know some type of interview something like that that will be a lot more available because now we don't have to wait for the video to come out or or anything like that. You can just watch it. It's just there. And there's not limited uh, floor space either, right? Because right? to your point, like there's always panels that take place at the same time. But <clears throat> giving the same amount of time to a smaller pub that you give to like a Marvel or a DC or, or even an image or whatever um, is like less of an option yeah. when you're in a physical space and like you are splitting it between so many skews of – gaming and anime and movies and what the fuck ever else is at comic-con these days exactly so one group that will not be presenting at comic-con at home is dc films so dc comics is leaving diamond dc films is leaving comic-con dc films will skip comic-con at home for their own event what they're calling a multimedia virtual fan experience, which will be held on August 22nd. We should just uh, call it the Snyder Cut. <laughs> apparently, Revealed. it will be called DC Fan Dome. <laughs> no, wait, really? Yep. Those those gentlemen fan dome fan dome dome. I, I like dome. that. Dome senpai. is the word they're going with, huh? Dome. Okay. There's. I don't even need to make a joke there. They did. It, they pranked themselves. Dome. 
Okay. If sure. you tune in live, you get a free coupon to Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> a free Baja Blast. <laughs> Large Baja Blast with the purchase of every ticket. If they release the Santa card, I'll Baja Blast all over the screen. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So, is it the same color as an actual Baja Blaster? Because I need to see to a doctor. doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Do I have that color on my little lights? Let's see. So that's ba- yeah, that's Baja color. There we go. Oh my god. It's it's being reported that they're going to be showing off movies and games and things like that, TV shows, at this event. I'm really curious as to what they can even show. I mean, yeah, they'll show Wonder Woman, which was actually pushed back to October. Um, I'm sure they'll show some type of sizzle reel or a scene from that uh, October 2nd for that movie now. But, uh, I mean, what what else? Suicide Squad? Like, how far along is that? I I guess it depends, too. I feel like I've heard rumors of uh, Young Justice, the animated series, season Mm. four. Maybe they'll show that. It's interesting, too, because you, you called out video games as one of the things they were potentially showing off, right? Yeah. Because I, I saw a rumor earlier today um, that I think Warner Brothers is potentially interested in selling WB the video games. game division off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because I would think, like, okay, maybe they'll show the new Batman game. And, like, there's supposed to be two in development, one with... Uh, or not necessarily a Batman game, but a DC game with Rocksteady who did the Arkham trilogy and then Warner Brothers uh, games was supposed to be working on a new Batman game. So, like, I was thinking maybe we'd see that, but now it's kind of like, well, if they're looking to sell it, are they really going to show that off at an event like this? And if it's not that, what other games would they show? I think they would because we're talking about an event that's two months away. Any game that they would show would be well, well into its development Mm -hmm. cycle. That's true. And I think that would make sense. You think maybe, think, uh, maybe like a pad new Lego? this thing with something. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, maybe like a new Lego thing. Sure, definitely um, a new Lego thing. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, like they obviously had the Lego DC Super Villains not that long ago. Uh, who knows? DC just feels like they don't mess with anybody. Like they just really want to be on an island. They want to, yeah, right. They're like, no, like we are about to become isolationists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is this good? Like- I think I think this could be good, uh, because like this seems like a crazy headline until you remember that Marvel already did this. Like Marvel hasn't been showing off movies at Comic Con for the last couple of years. Um, mm, and that like a real has, Marvel zombie. Yeah, real, real Marvel zombie for sure. Uh, and that has worked out for them. Um, like I think we all remember that big event that they did. I mean, years ago, right when I was still in college, where they were like, "We're doing our own presentation, and here's the big thing with the timeline and all that shit." And like that, when when you do that, if you do it well. You're the only thing that anyone's talking about when you're doing it rather than competing for all the oxygen in the room of everything that gets announced at San Diego Comic-Con. So like Yeah. And that works for Marvel and similarly like uh, did they've done that for E3 too. What is it? Nintendo does that? Uh or or did that 
in previous years, but well, DC yeah. doesn't have the content or the like uh, ability to do this and make it any good at this point. Like they haven't they haven't proven that they can uh, pull it off yet. Uh, that's fair. I think it's it's all about timing, right? I think that the timing for this is bad because San Diego Comic-Con could really benefit from having DC show off their stuff. And I think DC uniting and showing allyship with, you know, the rest of the industry would be nice right now. Um, Clearly, clearly they're not interested in doing that. And uh, they've made that abundantly clear. But um, can the event itself be good? It, It depends on whether or not DC has more to say about their movies then Wonder Woman and Suicide Squad and the Batman. We know enough about Wonder Woman. I really don't want to see a single other thing about it at this point. I think it would have been out, it would have been out already at this point. It got yeah. pushed back to August. Now it's October, but originally we would have seen it already. I don't want to see it anymore. Suicide Squad, yeah, that would be cool. Batman, if they have footage, that's fine, but it's still shooting. So what are they going to say? You know, if they put out a big timeline like Marvel did – aces but i don't trust them to yeah, have right, a big exactly. haven't they already done that not like a few years ago not expressly i don't think they i think they did it when they were still they definitely did when they were still in the Zack snyder phase of stuff because we had yeah. the yeah they they showed they definitely showed it off back then with, with yeah, not, man and yeah not with the new yeah. world order like not with where we're at now um yeah that's right, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I get that reference. <laughs> I I think I think Sean is right. Where I think another time and place, um, I do think this is a good idea because I think you can easily fill an event with DC with all of DC stuff, right? With if they had a cool a couple cool like bomb comic book announcements, like they show off a new event that looks hype. They announced some new series with some talent that we're interested in. Whatever, right? Like, they can deliver on that sort of thing um, and have cool announcements. We talked about some of the options they have for the world of video games. We talked about some of the options they have for films, especially if they could give us a little bit more. Like, they could fill out an event like this and have it be compelling. But given that right now I feel like the DC well is poisoned and they feel like the fucking bad guy, the fact that they're trying to, like – take their toys and go home and be like, we're going to go do our own thing. It it feels like a big fuck you. And I don't feel like right now they have the momentum where people are going to want to get behind this. I feel like people are going to want to look at this and be like, fuck them, this was bullshit. Like, how dare they pull out and go do their own thing, you know? Because fans are like that. Yeah, uh, yeah brother. Terry Bollea doesn't have a 10-inch penis, but Hulk Hogan does. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. Added a lot to the discourse. <laughs> Thanks, so Holster. Which, which one is DC in this analogy? <laughs> well, they're the ones pulling out, so they're Terry Bollea. <laughs> nice. Weak. <laughs> so... <laughs> so, Boom Studios has... Uh, shown off a new book coming from Al Ewing and Simone DeMeo. And uh, it looks awesome. 
It's called We Only Find Them When They're Dead, which is a crazy title in and of itself. Such a cool title. (laughs) (laughs) Especially Uh, with the cover, like how bold the fucking font is. It's like, it looks like an old school, like, uh, like 1950s sci-fi movie poster, and I'm here for it. I highly recommend you go check out this cover. It's it's very, very cool. Um, And I want to tell you guys a little bit about Uh, What the book is, and this is from the words of Al Ewing himself, we only find them when they're dead is a concept I've been brewing for some years now, something that merges a few of my favorite things, high concept action, world building, quests for the meaning behind existence, and heavily metaphorical science fiction, and uses them to create a universe we're building out into something truly vast, rich, and strange. No matter which parts of my work you've enjoyed before, there will be something here for you to love. And so we got some info in addition to that about what it is. And uh, essentially from the comicbook.com article, it says, uh, We only find them when they're dead, follows Captain Malik and his crew on the Vihan 2 as they harvest the massive corpses of alien gods to keep the human race afloat. But Malik isn't settling for just surviving and wants to find a living god. Now, if that doesn't make you jump up in your seat... If that doesn't get your science fiction loving spider senses tingling, I don't know what does. And if that doesn't scream Al Ewing, nothing else. Does. Exactly. Yeah, this exactly. sounds fucking cool. <laughs> that yeah, that's uh, the cover by Matthias Bergara. Kind of like exemplifies what you just read out, and it's dope. Yeah, like yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. This is this is the kind of book that I read comics for like superhero books are amazing and i love them and i'll always cherish them but when i get excited for a comic a lot of the time it's something like this Mm -hmm. this is cool because like this is what comics are made for is like this is such a big idea that like where else could this exist but comics yeah, if you if you're James Cameron, you can make a movie like this probably. But you know, Al Ewing couldn't head over to you know Sony and say, "Here's my big idea." Um, but in comics, he can because the budget. Sh- yeah, you, go ahead. Yeah, like it, you're only limited by the artist's ability. Right. Yeah. Um, Speaking of the artist, it- go ahead. Oh no, sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Speaking of the artist, uh, Simone had this to say about this project. He said, I had been waiting for years to work on my own sci-fi series, and Al wrote a story so intense that I couldn't have asked for anything better. Sci-fi, passion, mystery, and giant gods make these pages an absolute blast to draw. I was, I've was i been waiting for years to draw my own sci-fi story, and Al Ewing came along and did it better. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the oh, way. Oh, shit. I didn't realize is uh Simone works on Immortal Hulk? No, Ewing works on Hulk, uh Simone works on Power Rangers. Okay, cuz I'm I'm on uh, I opened up Simone's Twitter and it says the best defense Immortal Hulk. So I don't know if maybe that was like a tie-in book or something. The best defense it, it was a Defenders tie-in book where they had all the OG Defenders getting, yeah. Okay, okay. So that must have just been interesting. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so that's... I was like, oh, are they reuniting? That's sick. (laughs) Shout out to Boom Studios for putting out consistently good shit. Yep. 
Bloom is on the come up, man. Also, like it's been, been a long time up. coming. They're here. They're yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, An Al Ewing exclusive book, I think, is a bigger boon for Boom than nice. a, a James Tinian one because Al Ewing doesn't get to do a lot of creator-owned stuff. When's mm-hmm. the last time you saw an Al Ewing book announced that wasn't Marvel? He's this, hot right now, too. Yeah, the, and Immortal Hulk's one of the biggest books. Uh, he's doing Empire. So this is massive for them, and it looks really good. So if you want to check this out, September is the day or the month. Uh, hopefully, we have the opportunity to review it or something. And uh, check out our interview with Al Ewing. He's a good guy. We talked to him uh, a few months back. We have two really good ones, too. Uh, There's one on our YouTube channel that's from Comic-Con from last year, uh, which is a little bit shorter. But they're both really, really good. Um, It's so interesting to think about. Like, we've been talking about how Boom's, like, really been doing really cool stuff lately and been making big plays. Like, thinking about how much space there could be with everything going on with DC pulling out, like... Mm. Yo, man, let's see them take a bigger percentage of the pie. Let's go. Let's go, Boom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we had this conversation. Let him take over Image. No. No. Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck him. Let him take over Marvel. Who gives a shit? Right. Power Rangers are better. Mm. All right. So we have to talk about this because we've talked about this subject before, but it's, it bears repeating. Now – the Punisher is one of the most controversial characters ever to come out of comics. I don't think that's debatable. And there are a lot of people who feel like he shouldn't exist. We had a conversation many, many moons ago when the Punisher series on Netflix was coming out about this very subject, whether or not the Punisher should exist as a character and whether or not his existence sent a negative message to people in the world. Uh, and we, I think, through a lot of debate, came to the conclusion at the very least that people receive the wrong message from the Punisher character and that he's not meant to be idolized or replicated in the real world. Mm-hmm. And if you want to hear our further thoughts on that, you can tune into episode 63 back in 2018. Oh. Oh what a my god. god. Wow. Jeez, it's a, a long pull. time ago. That episode, I specifically remember people in my personal life reaching out to me with their thoughts because a lot of people had a lot of strong opinions about The Punisher. Well, we have to have that conversation again because throughout the course of these protests and the police brutality, The Punisher's symbol has been front and center on several police officers' garb they've taken a pin and put it somewhere or something like that even uh i think was it was it was it tucker carlson or was it um glenn beck or one of those guys from fox news actually wore a punisher pin as well on their tv show so uh jerry conway the creator of the punisher has come out in force not only to speak on what he feels about police co-opting this logo, but also to specifically support the Black Lives Matter movement and the protesters. So I want to read uh, what Jerry has had to say 
on this issue. So he says, he, he, first of all, he called it an outright disgrace. Um, and he's beginning a project to kind of fight this. Uh, he said, I'm looking for young comic book artists of color who would like to participate in a small fundraising project for hashtag BLM to reclaim the Punisher skull as a symbol of justice rather than lawless police oppression. Respond and follow so we can DM. To be clear, this little project is open to anyone who wants to contribute their time and effort. It's not a paying gig. It's intended to raise funds for to support Black Lives Matter. I hope to use multiple artists with a variety of styles and artistic approaches. As to the debate over whether the Punisher symbol can ever be a symbol for justice, I agree that's an open question. What it must not be is a symbol of oppression. I want to deny police the use of the symbol by claiming it for BLM. Call it irony. I hope the results speak for themselves. I feel like that's a pretty strong statement from the creator himself. Oh, yeah. Um, I So I follow Jerry on Twitter and throughout this entire thing, like he's been very vocal about his feelings, not just about the Punisher, but just in general um, about his politics. And uh, I I was really happy to see this because... Like how do you how do you argue with the man himself, right? He's like, I fucking created the Punisher. Like I get to say what he's about, <laughs> uh, and that's that's cool, right? Because obviously these characters are always open to interpretation. But um, I I like that Jerry is trying to make an effort to take back a symbol that you know he was he is in a lot of ways responsible for creating and trying to. Um, stop it from being abused by people whose politics don't represent what he was trying to get across yeah what 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 is the message being sent by people who are trying to co-opt or project the values of the punisher onto themselves like what do you what's the statement what does that emblem mean if if you're gonna wear it uh as a police officer or a soldier or whatever like what 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 does that message mean to you? That's what I want to know. And, and they think they're punishing people. Yeah, I, I don't even know that there's like sometimes a deeper meaning to it, but I think in that they try to co-op the fact that there's a, an acceptable threshold for that violence. And mm, yeah, and, that's what I was going to say. And, deadly force, right? Exactly. And and because of that, it's uh it's allowed to be pronounced and it's allowed to be utilize because well look at this character this is this is exactly what he does and he's fighting for the good of whatever but he's doing it in this way um and i think that that's a a good i think to to what jerry conway's trying to do is re reclaim that outside of the violence but try to temper down the to what you're saying phil like the 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 meaning and disassociate it from that so I guess the other question is, uh, how how can that be reinterpreted? Because that's what he's trying to do, right? He's trying to he's trying to make it uh, uh, emblematic of the Black Lives Matter movement. So, what what can that emblem mean if it's refocused and repurposed to not be used by shitheads? The Punisher is a character who seeks out specific scenarios of injustice where there are situations where either the police cannot 
or will not step in and help people who need help. That's what the Punisher does. You don't need to agree with his methods, and we can all agree that he's a little nuts, but at the end of the day, he's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to help people who need help. And I think that the Punisher has a very strong, uh, not anti-bad cop perspective. Very, very strong anti-bad cop perspective. The same cops who want to use his symbol would never be accepted by the Punisher. In fact, there is a comic book in which we see exactly this play out. It was written by uh, Matthew Rosenberg. Uh, It it came out uh, last year. Uh, Punisher number 13, Matthew Rosenberg by uh, Simon Kudransky and, uh, and yeah, Matthew Rosenberg. So there's an interaction where the cops meet the Punisher and they're kind of like blowing smoke and saying how much they like him. And uh, they say, uh, we believe in you. It's not the whole force. Hell, most of them want to see you in the ground. But some of us believe in what you do. We're doing whatever we can to take back our streets. Uh, and then the Punisher says, I'll say this once. We're not the same. You took an oath to uphold the law. You help people. I gave all that up a long time ago. You don't do what I do. Nobody does. You boys need a role model. His name is Captain America, and he'd be happy to have you. Um, and then there, there's more to it than that. But that's that's essentially the conversation there. And it should scare you to your bones that the people who are in charge of safety and security in this country idolize a man who walks around with machine guns and blows people away. That's bad. He's not aiming. The Punisher does not aim at us. He doesn't aim at law-abiding people. He doesn't aim at protesters. He aims at bad guys, pedophiles, rapists, murderers, you know, gang members. Bad cops. Bad cops. Things like that. Yeah, like the the kind of people who are co-opting that this symbol would be far more likely to end up on the other end of his gun uh, than anything else. And my question, my question to you is, while police are so busy dealing with protesters, who's dealing with the people that I just mentioned? Not the Punisher. Because he ain't he ain't real. Yeah. Um. Yeah, an institution that, by description, is supposed to protect and serve, uses the same extrajudicial force or idolizes the use of extrajudicial force that the Punisher uses to blow away people who haven't uh, done anything as heinous as the people the Punisher usually blows away. Real chill stuff. Right. I mean, please, right? Like, that's that's the thing. If the if the Punisher, as as we know him to be, right, like, actually existed, he would be, like... He would be out there on the streets mowing down cops right now who are beating people up. Like, that's what he would be doing. Like, that's not – if that's the guy you think – it's it's the same kind of dissonance from people who think that Donald Trump is the person that represents them. It's like, what is he doing for you? It's like, you guys are not – That's you would not be on the same team if he actually met you, right? He would wipe you off his shoe like shit. <laughs> I want to I wanna make a statement to people who – Supporting cops, cool. No big deal. You, you like cops, you have a cop in, in your life, you know, who's like a friend of yours, family member, awesome. That's fine. Good cops are good cops. Good cops are good people. This is not about that. 
at all. This is a very different thing than that. I'm not calling out cops. I'm calling out cops who are so outside of what their responsibility is that they associate themselves with a character who does not uphold the law. The Punisher does not uphold the law. Cops are supposed to. There's a huge difference. In fact, I don't even want any cop idolizing any comic book character because they're vigilantes. Cops are not that. Get your head on straight. We should all be able to agree on something like that. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's buck wild that people don't see that dissonance, right? Like, even if you have a casual understanding of who the Punisher is and what he's supposed to be, um, that's not, that's not good. No. And it speaks to the narrative of, like, how many cops there are that become cops because they're bullies who want to beat the shit out of somebody. One patch, two patch, penny and dime. You're a stupid motherfucker if you follow my footsteps. <laughs> Didn't rhyme, but... Nope. You know. It wasn't like the Etrigan time. It was, a, it was effective. <laughs> the Punisher doesn't have time to rhyme, all right? <laughs> what, what do you guys think... Marvel and Disney's responsibility is here. I'm do they glad have you one? Brought that up. Yeah, they do. Are you kidding me? Because fucking Disney has sued fucking elementary schools over like murals of Snow White being used, but they're not doing shit about police departments putting fucking modified Punisher decals that they're buying on like illegal websites or whatever on mm. their cop cars and shit. Like, yeah, it's bullshit. Disney stopped a family. From putting Spider-Man on their child, their young, dead child's grave. Yep. Damn. And he died from, like, cancer or something, right? Like, it was, and, right, and they'll stop that for copyright protection. Uh, but you're going to tell me that they can't do anything about this? You guys, you. you guys really undermine how powerful, like, the police are around the country. Like, the police union is... Oh man, they they wave a big stick in every city they're in. So it's not surprising Disney's not going to fucking mess with that. They don't like, but a school which barely gets any funding from any city, that's that's slim pickings. You know, that's easy to kind of bully. But yeah, yeah. But like, what's the benefit? Like, yeah. The benefit. Like, how does it how does it hurt your claim to your IP if a child's grave? has a Spider-Man logo on it. Like, well, cause then anyone's going to want to do it, Pete. Um, okay. Like I the mean, cops, yeah. then any of the cops was always going to be, want to be able to put their own decals of some certain character. What if they want Spider-Man? Can't have that. I mean, yeah. well, I guess you can't have that. I mean, shitty corporations don't really give a shit about basic ethics or morality. Right. Uh, but no one fucks with like the police. Like no one fucks with the police. Literally no one. City district attorneys don't fucking no cops that shoot innocent people are charged uh, until the George Floyd murder even arrested. So like fucking police can walk with impunity to commit murders and do whatever the fuck else they want. But like, again, you know, a school when you're an extremely litigious company gives a like they don't give a fuck. It's not a legal. It's not a legal battle they have to worry about. 
Yeah, no, there's no conflict for Disney. It's just like, oh, yeah, don't do that. And they know because of the amount the wallet they carry, they can just pressure a school not to use any of their IPs. Mm -hmm. But again, police are really powerful around the country. It's not a, a giant blob of an entity, but like in every city, police are really powerful gangs, basically. There's no fucking with that. Yeah, I mean, Disney, Disney has a history of kind of you know, shying away from social issues and things like that. I don't think Unless that they, they can make want, money off of them. Yeah. I don't think that they want the heat that would be associated with them uh, sending some kind of cease and desist to police departments. Yeah, because it's a political what, message. You know, well, like that's the thing. I, how, I, I guess that's the thing. I don't really understand how don't use this emblem of a guy who's a vigilante murderer on your police uniform is a political message that seems like I mean I mean it seems like Kale, it was just three years ago that people were like justifying Nazis as good people in Charlottesville. Like the things that you would think of that were never possible to be politicized are politicized. Well and that's the thing, right? It's like Disney is one of the few companies that's successfully been able to um cater to both like conservative middle America and like you know, um, coastal liberals and have both sides feel like they're speaking for them. You know, like Disney will uh, do all this shit and say a kid can't put Spider-Man on his grave and, and whatever and let the cops use the Punisher logo. But then they have plenty of pride stuff out for Pride Month because guess what? You can make money if you put a rainbow on something and act like you stand for something, <laughs> right? So that's what it comes down to is Disney will be political if they think it can make them money. If they can serve lip service to one group and, and, and get a dollar out of them, they will. Disney Plus. All, you know what else has a plus in it? The LGBT <laughs> community, which we support. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. Like, that's that it. Good. And I think now that you see an increase, increased uh, anti-police sentiment across the country, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually do something, right? Because we got that statement from Marvel this last week where they're seriously looking into it or whatever. Right. So, yeah, I, I mean, totally fucking believe that. Well, they're but serious. We're, we're definitely seeing companies around the country that are, are seeing where, which way the wind's blowing. You know, mm -hmm. uh, companies are talking about adopting Juneteenth as a, as, a, as a holiday for their company. We're seeing companies more and more outspokenly saying Black Lives Matter. Uh, four years ago, when everyone was condemning Colin Kaepernick for taking the knee, more and more organizations and companies were saying Colin Kaepernick was right. The NFL is saying uh, they apologize. All this stuff. Uh, yet, I, I think we underestimate the fact that, you know, when we talk about things like defunding the police or whatever, uh, while it is gaining a lot of traction, and you would think this would be an unthinkable conversation to start even a year ago, we still underestimate that a lot of people are still very pro-police in this country. And Disney recognizes oh, yeah. that. And they are not going to tread in the water yet. Yeah. yeah. Shout out I, to Jerry for doing it. Yeah. And, and that was the most, that's the most important part of this is that someone, someone who is intimately connected with the Punisher is stepping up and doing something about it. And, you know, no one can stand in the way of that. And hopefully something really cool comes out of this. He's already gotten responses from artists who want to, you know, partake. So stay tuned. If that if that's something that you're interested in, stay tuned for that. And there will be a way to support BLM charities if that's what you want to do.
So, have you guys seen any of the mock-ups and stuff uh, that no. have been making the rounds? Yeah, there's some cool, cool designs and stuff that people are playing with. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes. Can you imagine being intimately connected to the Punisher? Doesn't sound good. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of Marvel, Marvel is one of the two that we associate or affectionately call the big two in comics. And, uh, you know, they have become the de facto hero in the situation due to DC's choice to exit their relationship with Diamond and kind of create an island unto themselves. Marvel is using their their uh, spotlight and this opportunity to shit on DC Comics. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they put out a message uh, saying the following. Since Wednesday, Wednesday has been known as New Comic Book Day for many years, Marvel is offering up a reminder in the way of these variant covers. Retailers can use them in stores to remind customers that every Wednesday is the day for new comics and to make mind Marvel. Damn. Marvel <laughs> is King Petty. Dude, I that is... Something I genuinely miss in modern marketing is like I I love when companies just throw shade at their competitor like this. It's just so fucking funny. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. And and we can't see the covers. They're not out yet. Um uh or at least I'm pretty sure these are not the the real covers, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe oh. these are. They're just uh, these I heard mono they colors. I heard they were. They are? Okay. That's what I heard, yeah. Uh well, sure. That shit is even funnier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the article that they're just like, here's a blank fucking cover. Fuck you, DC. <laughs> That's the... all we have to do to look better than you in this scenario. The article saying that the ten covers listed below are now available as order all variants. So that they're gonna be variants on top of the normal one. I love it. I'm definitely buying the uh giant size X Men one. Um, and the Immortal Hulk one for sure. I th I think, man, Marvel, keep it up, keep it up. Yeah, dude, I love it. <laughs> they they are absolutely uh, making lemonade out of this whole situation. You guys are Damn just right. a bunch of Marvel zombies. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Phil. Yeah. I agree. You know, yeah. D D DC's DC's trying to do basically. You know, I think DC's the bigger <laughs> troll here. If you think about it, they're trying to separate themselves, much like the X Men are now on nice. their own island of Kokoa. <laughs> you guys are, just aren't seeing the bigger picture here. Yeah, man, you're not DC drones like Marco and I. Just yeah, don't man. Get it. Oh God, I want to Hulk smash you, Marco. <laughs> Uh, so that segues us nicely into what is going to be this week's main topic, which is a further conversation about DC's choice and the fallout, the massive, massive fallout, including, as I teased at the top, a very, very scathing response from Image Comics' Eric Stevenson. All that Let's go. to follow. He was pissed weeks ago. <laughs> So, ah, we're going <laughs> to... Piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So we're going to kick this conversation off with the statement from Steve Jeppy, who, of course, is the uh, owner of Diamond, um, CEO, founder, whatever. And this statement is what he released after, uh, you know, everyone found out about um, DC's decision on June 5th to get get away from Diamond. He says, today, DC sent out a retailer communication indicating that they are ending their longstanding relationship with Diamond. In April, we were informed that DC was going to begin distributing products through additional partners. At that time, they asked us to submit a proposal for a revised agreement with the understanding that Diamond would continue to be one of their distributors, which we promptly did. Then they requested an extension to June 30th, which we also accommodated. Last week, DC requested an additional extension through July. We responded with questions, and DC indicated they would reply today, June 5th. Instead of receiving a response, today we received a termination notice. While we had anticipated this as a possible outcome, we, like so many others in the industry, are disappointed by their decision to end our partnership so abruptly at the time. Although we had hoped to reach an agreement with DC, every great change also presents great opportunity. Rest assured, Diamond is a strong company and our success does not depend on the actions of one business partner. While we recognize this change impacts the industry, we are well positioned to seize growth opportunities and are committed to the success of our publishing partners, the direct market, and our industry as a whole. We continue to be excited about the growth potential in the comic, game, and toy industries, as well as growth opportunities for our other Jeppy family enterprise companies. I truly believe that our comeback will be bigger than our setback and our best days are ahead. Thank you for continued support for all you do. Well, what a statement that DC Comics, instead of answering the questions that Diamond had, just terminated their relationship uh, and put out a statement to the public the very same day about their actions. It sounds like Diamond was was being strung along by DC since April. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like that has been their intention from the start, which I think we all felt like was coming at some point. Maybe not this quickly, but I definitely think um, one of us threw out that theory when we had when they had released that statement, right? Of you will be able to get your books, like your diamond orders from us through June are like still placed, right? And like that to me made sounded suspicious at the time, and now it very much confirms that that was where we were gearing to. That like they were extending their contract as a stopgap while they got all their ducks in a row and established a new status quo moving forward, which is Tuesday, which is through their new partners. Well, and even still, you have to wonder if they had planned this earlier and the the pandemic set it back. Yeah. I guess it's possible, I suppose. Um, I want to know what those questions were. Yeah, right. <laughs> Question one. So why, though? <laughs> what exactly are you doing? Yeah. Like what is that? What is the game plan here? Uh, yeah, I I'm just blown away by I mean, that just that just kind of seems unprofessional. 
I mean, at the very least, it's uh, it's a dick move. Yeah. Right. Like it's absolutely uh, a very uncool thing to do that to a, a a partner that you've had for you know decades to not be transparent about what your intentions are and to then kind of pull the rug out. You know, because I think it just shows a lack of respect. Because I, I don't think that even if DC had been transparent about what they were doing, it's not like Diamond would have been like, oh, well, we're going to burn all the books he sent us, then fuck you, right? Like, <sighs> they would have sent the last shipment out, and they would have parted ways amicably. Um, you have to imagine anyway, right? Uh, so I think, like, DC doing it this way, it feels like just another example of them being kind of, like, needlessly shady about the whole thing of like making all these decisions under the guise of night and giving us uh updates on the situation in very carefully crafted pr statements as to like not ever really lie but to not actually be transparent about what their intentions are and what they see as the future of the industry or their place in it yeah Absolutely. And, and and the thing is, Diamond is still responsible for <clears throat> a portion of of carrying out DC business because they still have DC comics in the warehouse that are owed to stores, um, whether they've already released or future books. They've got back issues that they need to push out. So they're still doing DC business. And then as on- well as. Yeah, you're about to say well, what I was going to say. Go ahead. Oh, I thought so. According to Down the Tubes, uh, Diamond UK is still shipping out uh, DC internationally until uh, the end of 2020. Yep. <laughs> Damn. Got, yo, those warehouse workers are going to be spitting those boxes. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it collector item then. <laughs> oh. flash, flash forward to two weeks from now where I'm proved absolutely wrong and Diamond just burns all the DC books <laughs> oh there was a mysterious fire only the DC books were damaged <laughs> uh, I want to I read Eric Stevenson's letter now this was to image creators and staff Bleeding Cool of course obtained it because they always do and <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty rough. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and read it now. So here we are in 2020 with the world in something approaching the worst shape it's ever been in, and DC has forgotten this bit of comics history and chosen this moment to leave. You've no doubt read their statement about how this move was intended to strengthen the marketplace. Pardon the profanity, but that's bullshit. This is a hasty, sociopathic decision made by people who do not care about the long-term welfare of our marketplace, let alone about comics. The good news is that just as Marvel wasn't capable of destroying our industry back in 94, DC, still a distant second to Marvel after all these years, (laughs) isn't going to either. Eat shit. Rough. Oh, damn. Rough. Yo, that is a fucking dig. Distance confirmed. (laughs) Heavy blow. Uh, He went on to say, um, our industry is more than one publisher, though, and we will get through this. Should something happen to Diamond, we aren't without our options, but within the direct market and the book trade, 
uh, both within the direct market and the book trade. But as of now, the hope is that exploring those options won't be necessary. Should that change at any point, we will let everyone know. We believe in comics, we believe in this industry, and we believe in you. And despite how bleak things may look now as we shelter in place and worry about surprises, worry what surprises tomorrow may bring, we believe there are better days ahead. I mean, come on. That's 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 the that's the the, the main man over at Image. You know, Marco, what do you say to that? Uh, I agree. It was ha- I agree that it's been it's been hasty. But I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about um, as it happened, and I'm, I'm I'm trying to pull it up, but I wonder to what extent now, from a volume perspective, Diamond can now ship of other comics, include and and are going to be forced to include other newer publishers. Uh, one to make up some of that portion that is lost from DC, but at the same time. They they've freed up a bunch of a bunch of uh, capability for for printing. Like uh, I don't know what what I have uh, from a volume perspective. Just unit market share. DC's been at for March like thirty percent. So that means they've freed up thirty percent of their the capability for printing for new additional books. And I mean that I don't think is outright a negative on the the side of Diamond. And I I hope to that they they take advantage of that. Um, let me let me ask you this real quick. You you've mentioned printing. I I know that Titan does Diamond print because I know that Titan uses a company in China to print cheap. Uh, Diamond uh, Titan here is at of the market share 0.37. I don't know if they actually you use Diamond's preferred printers or however it is that they have, but. The the capability oh, okay. the ability to to now distribute more comics from smaller publishers has has grown there, because because ideally, sir, um, from a volume perspective, these stores are still gonna have to be able to fill out fill up thirty percent of what's now no longer on the rack, assuming uh coming from from Diamond if they have to or want to claim a certain percentage of discount. It's not gonna work like that. Because DC Comics will still be on shelves. It just won't be coming from Diamond. So there's not actually more shelf space. So what will end up happening is Diamond strictly is losing 30% of their sales because stores still have to sell DC to survive and can't just add uh, some other smaller press book that won't sell. And Diamond has to reflect that. And like granted, I think... We always bring up uh, the example of like anyone comics as a store that has like trained its uh, audience to try out other books or has also like attracted people who do read other books. So like maybe it's not a direct 30% loss, but I don't think that they're going to be able to even come close to making up that 30% loss by going to smaller publishers. You know, maybe it's a 5% return. Um, I think even that's probably generous because Far generous yeah. to Sean's point, no small publisher, unless they have a breakout title or something like that can compete with Batman. Hmm. Are, are, yeah. To, uh, do we know what, uh, as of yet percentage of stores are going to have to switch over to DC, like regardless 
I'm, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be the majority of them. Yeah, I would say any store right now that sells DC Comics that that makes up a significant portion of their business, say it's 30% of their business, right? Right. Um, and it's probably more than that because uh, there are a lot of stores that are mostly superhero big two kind of stores. Um, if that's the case, like they're going to have to sell DC books. Right. And all of that, that that means right now is that they'll get worse discounts from Diamond. So that's like... You know, I don't, I don't know how they make that discrepancy up because I think Diamond will have to, you know, meet them in the middle somewhere. But I don't think that Diamond can afford to give the same kind of discounts when thirty percent of their business just walked away either, right? right? So it's going to be a problem. And like Marvel deciding they're going to put out, you know, these new variants and stuff like that, like that's something that helps, I guess. But you also have to think of they reduce how many books they're putting out by a lot. And we talked about that a few weeks ago and image is putting out less books than they normally are. And a lot of publishers are putting out less books than they normally are right now. So diamonds really going to be hurting. Yeah. Uh, and so are local comic shops. Uh, in front of me, I have a, an article written by Jeremy Conrad on bleeding cool. that speaks about how retailers are feeling at the moment and I know last week we did read retailer comments this one I think is a little more uh, thoughtful uh, a lot of that stuff was very reactionary and, and, and quite frankly angry uh, so he said comic store owners were rocked today by the news that DC Comics after 25 years being distributed by Diamond have pulled the Baltimore Colts and are leaving yes starting in a couple of weeks your local comic shop will no longer be supplied with punchline variants by Diamond Comic Distributors. While many on social media who don't own stores, and some that do, to be fair, are rejoicing at the news, most comic shop owners are not. 90% of you reading this right now probably go to your shop every week, buy your comics, and you can't be bothered or don't care how they got there. That's fair. But to those of us who do worry about how to get to, how to get to you, your comics are whoa. How to get you your comics are worried. Dealing with Diamond for anything is like pulling teeth. Ask any comics retailer and they can pass along many examples of this, from billing and shipping issues to damaged products. Most of us would agree that Diamond needs competitors. Most would also agree that DC Comics doing this during a pandemic, when there are still huge chunks of comic shops that are not even open, or just reopened is a bad idea. This kind of sweeping change is a pain in the ass when it is done at a reasonable time, let alone right now. Making it even dumber, we now also have not one, not two, but three distributors to deal with since we have to order DC Comics trades or hardcovers through Penguin. Wow, I, I didn't even know that. Damn. Thanks huh. for tripling our shipping costs, DC Comics. Damn. What would have been the problem with rolling this out throughout the summer and working out the kinks? Why give this business to two of the biggest competitors comic shops have to already compete with in DCBS and Midtown Comics? So what to do? If you are a shop that has seen itself decimated by the pandemic, you probably are, 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 are wow, sorry. You probably are operating at a low profit to begin with. The extra shipping costs that come with these two new distributors are going to eat further into that. Our store is just going to have to carry and chop from other areas. Survival without DC Comics is not a reality. Sadly, that means fewer characters fewer chances on indie books for the time being what other options are there not carrying dc will drive customers away so that's out maybe have your focus on 
their backlist and what you already have on hand. You can talk to stores in, other, in the areas and put in one central order and spread the shipping cost around. There are no easy answers here. The direct market may be on its last legs. That's, a, I think, a really important point to hear him make that, that statement that this will actually make them take less risks. Of course. Because um, I think I think like we we like to think that that is the option, right? That oh, these companies take up so much of the oxygen in the room, and that's why smaller things don't get opportunities. But the reality is that for a lot of people, that's all there is, you know. And that's that really sucks. And I, I, I think that the point that's being made there about the idea of the direct market potentially being on its last legs, like, we've been talking about that for a long time. And, like, ever since the pandemic started, we were talking about that being a risk. You know, that being something that could really be a side effect of this is that the way comics are, are made and sold change. And, like, DC doing this is definitely not helping the situation. You know, like, that that can't be understated to the to the point on the the sort of the the rollout and how it's been rocky um my my lcs so i i sent in our group chat how my lcs they they're still sort of tentative on opening um they have been doing more more curbside and some delivery but they now have to send out two links one to dc's own uh uh DC's own new releases as well as the general previews world of Diamond. Um, but I just got an email uh, yesterday, actually, where he, he lays out, so as predicted by yours truly, the new comic rollout, new comics rollout has been bumpy. Unbelievably, on top of everything else, this week's books, along with the stuff from March 25th, was accidentally shipped to some store in the boondocks and will be arriving over the weekend. I'll touch base with you as soon as uh, everything is in hand. And I'll also promise you that everything will settle down in the next couple of weeks. Thanks so much for your patience. It, is that is that the DC stock or is that uh, that everything? everything. Hmm. So so the, the entirety of the new shipments uh, just weren't even sent to the store. So that's a, di- that's a diamond thing. Yeah. Uh, yep. But but still, it's just it, it just just to to highlight the fact that this at a retailer level it hasn't been great on either end. Yeah, and if if it was only the coronavirus, if it was only you know a pandemic, that'd be bad. Only a pandemic. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, DC chose to double up on that. If it was only DC leaving Diamond, it would be bad. But they chose to do it during the worst possible time. It's very hard for me to imagine that they couldn't have waited. In Eric Stevenson's letter was yep. a lot longer than what I read. And in it, he he makes that point. He said it's it's there's no way that Diamond could not or that DC could not have waited to do this. Why did they choose now? It's hard to it's hard to understand. I, I, I think I honestly think that there's only two reasonable explanations, hmm. right? And one of which is what Eric Stevenson laid out in his letter, which is that this is a decision made by people that don't give a fuck about comics. A thousand percent. Don't give a fuck about comic book stores closing. They don't give any care about that. Or they're aware that this could happen, 
and they want to do this because they think that this is a way for them to disrupt the marketplace and deliver DC Comics in the way that they want to deliver DC Comics. Well, I mean, look what's happened with DC the last year. There's just it's been a tumultuous time. Myriad of personnel changes from the very top. I can't imagine whoever's making these decisions really why like it, it seems like a very corporate move where they don't care about the brick and mortar or the middleman or because diamond's a middleman supplier why would they give a shit about that if you're like a corporate numbers person like to them this is just a necessary cost of doing business if they're trying to like just streamline their profit margin basically not that that will work but that's probably what they're thinking I, I, I struggle on the point of this being a move from beyond, you know, uh, DC, that this is a, a WB thing um, I or an AT&T thing. I, I, I can't remember who said this, and I thought I had the quote in front of me, but I, I don't see it now. Um, so, I, you know, take what I'm saying with a grain of salt because I don't have the quote in front of me. But uh, I'd read from someone uh, that... WB and AT&T probably don't care enough to to make any kind of decision about this. That that DC's not DC's not big enough or small enough to be a problem in this regard for the, for them to care what happens. Kale, you're, yeah, wasn't yeah. that a that was a bleeding cool article, wasn't it? That was like a an insider yeah bullshit thing yeah. yeah i i i i like i said i wish i had it in front of me but yeah it, it absolutely was from bleeding cool um i feel like if you look at this from dc's perspective right forget about warner at&t look at it from dc's perspective you're already the loser right you're you're the loser you lose every month it's a bad look for you uh you have business relationships with Penguin, you have business relationships with various different bookstores and things like that that operate on a different schedule than you do. Uh, you feel like the comics industry is not moving fast enough and not going where it needs to go. And you feel like you can lead the charge in that and reap the benefits of a streamlined release schedule. DC doesn't even operate like a traditional comics company anymore based on all of these changes. And so maybe they don't see themselves the way they used to. Um, maybe they feel like, okay, this will be turbulent for a while, but ultimately it'll be fine and everybody will get used to it. And in a year from now, no one's going to look at us that way. I think that might be their perspective. I think that's reasonable because I think you can you can make comparisons to other companies in like similar races like this where you're like the perpetual number two, right? And the perpetual number two needs to make moves to try and do new things and innovate and improve their business, right? So like to the point that you made, Sean, about um, you know the book market and everything, like that's also a market where they generally do better. You know, like where they have uh, new partnerships and they have partnerships with companies like Walmart and all these things where like 
if they see that as the future of their business and, you know, they want to double down on that, that makes sense, right? In the same way that you look at, like, a comparison of, like, PlayStation versus Xbox, where Xbox is in number two. So what are they doing? They're trying to make innovative services. They're trying to focus on things that push the industry forward, that make them look like, you know, um, they're looking toward the future, right? Because when you're the loser, you need to look towards the future. Absolutely. The the, the only issue there is that those moves are not anti the, the business the of selling games. Yeah. 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 Exactly, and that is that is a hundred percent the difference. And I think you're totally right that if that might be DC's perspective, but I don't. It, it totally comes from a place of not realizing or not caring what it does to everybody else. That like we're gonna drop this bomb, and whatever's left, like we'll sweep up and start from there. I, th- I think to that it. It does come from like to to that point of not a care for the retailer, but a position of wanting to alter the comics industry, the and, deal, and pray that they don't alter it any further. I mean, like, like, like to to the to the point of like now that the only way to get DC Comics is to get it this way. You, you've changed the mode of consumption from for the retailer. Like, the only way they can get it is through this. Which is strong arming them, but I mean, if if what the people what people truly want is a DC Comics book, they're they're gonna they're gonna find it there because that's the the only way that they have access to it right now. And if if it's tied to the need of a business, it's in their best interest to follow the mode of distribution in that. And I I, I don't think that it's one that is positive for retailers. For all of the the ways you listed listed out, but if it's in an effort to elevate or move the industry forward of comics as a medium, then I don't know that. For me, it's I've said in the past, I, the the re, some of the retailers are gonna are gonna lose that uh, they're gonna be cut from from that can uh, from that potential progress. So. Diane Nelson, the former president of DC Comics, happens to agree with you, Marco. Uh, And I thought her comments were very interesting and very different than a lot of what we have seen. So I'm going to read them now. I'm afraid I've not been privy to this recent decision. I can say purely as a private individual that DC has for a long time been unwilling or I'm sorry, not DC, Diamond. That Diamond has, for a long time, been unwilling or unable to modernize and support and grow the biz as needed for a healthy direct channel, and may not ever, or may not even be solvent. It would be imprudent for any publisher to not have a distribution contingency plan. I am disappointed by the communications rollout of the decision, as it seems, from my admittedly removed and limited POV, not nearly robust enough to not have offered retailers sufficient notice and explanation as to what I'm sure is a reasonable and probably advantageous decision for them. It's never good for any company to have a monopoly on a business, and Diamond has for too long. I'm optimistic DC will help retailers understand how to navigate the transition, and I'd almost guarantee, I would guarantee, but as I say, I'm not privy to this, that there's no way DC or WB have a financial stake in these distributors. So, 
what she's saying essentially is that Diamond needs competition because they are not moving fast enough and that DC ultimately probably did the right thing at the very least for DC and maybe even for comics as a whole. Right. Sure. There's no incentive. 100% agree with there's that. There's no incentive there for yep. for Diamond, I think. The problem is with that statement and with what Marco had just said is that I feel like it ignores the cascading effects of a decision like this. We just talked about how indie small press books could be negatively impacted by this choice. We all agree the lifeblood of the industry is new creators telling new stories. And if those stories and those creators are negatively impacted by this choice, and if the only real outlet that they have, the best shot that they have of getting seen, is these retailers who now can't necessarily put them on on racks as much as they were before, if, if they were at all before, this hurts that as well. I think it also speaks to a problem that we identified in earlier conversations uh, surrounding the virus, where the people who are going to be most affected by this are the smaller creators who were just breaking into comics, who had maybe just left their job to go full time. Like any of those sort of creators are the ones who are going to be hit the most hard by this. And those are the people most at risk of just not making comics anymore because it's too cost prohibitive because comics are very expensive to make. And the chance of getting a return on your book are slim to none um, as an independent, right? So you also have to think, what is the other biggest opportunity for a small creator to get their book in front of people? It's comic conventions. And guess what isn't happening for the next two to three years? Comic conventions. So, yeah, I mean, point taken about Diamond. Like, I've been one of the people on the show vocal about wanting there to be more competition and there to be alternatives and to see the industry move forward. But... Man, is 2020 the time? And like, is the cascading effect of this compounded with what's already going on something that like, yeah, like, okay, we're going to lose retailers along the way. But like, how many comic book stores can close before that's a problem for comics? Before that's, that's something that plays into what we're already talking about. That like, if you live in kansas or nebraska and there's one comic book store near you and it closes do you start reading digitally or do you just stop reading comics or do you start ordering from midtown comics well it happened but but i think i think to that that's limited within the purview of printed comics and that's that's then making the statement that all comics are printed comics and i don't think that that's a just statement because then it excludes a large portion that is digital only it excludes a portion that where where indies have found a really viable option in kickstarters and indiegogos and in in the digital space like that's where a lot of my comics readings happen and whether or not there's like to the point of you get larger visibility in like the mainstream comics realm what does that mean for all of the comics that like when I went to SPX aren't on the shelves, but that, that ended that portion of the industry is thriving, but like thriving at what? Sorry. Let, let Kale jump in. Pete, uh, Kale hasn't been able to say anything in a while. Well, to Marco's point, 
yes, you're right, and you know I absolutely agree with you. However, Marvel and DC mean a paycheck. So to sort of counter what Pete was going to say, or, or, or potentially to put words in his mouth, what does thriving mean? Does that mean they're paying their bills with comics? I doubt it. Um, one thing I wanted to point out is the the broader timing aspect of all this. Um, yes, we, you know we've been talking about the, how shitty it is that this is happening right now, and you know I, I Eric Eric Stevenson or or that uh, the the uh, retailer you you read from I think point. I, th- I think he might have pointed it out that they could have set up a system uh, where it was slowly rolled out and everybody got everything in order before it was finished. In any normal circumstances, something like this would have probably taken two to three years. The statement you just read from uh, the former, what is she, Diane former, president, former president, Diane Nelson, only left a year ago two years ago two years ago i i distinctly remember covering that on the show uh and that is very telling of this timing that this is very sudden um i don't know so i I was thinking about this myself diane nelson approaches that subject she's like i'm a private citizen now i haven't been part of it but something about it like reading between the lines makes me feel like based on how she talked about diamond and how slow it moves i feel like this is something dc has been talking about for a long time that doesn't mean that they were anywhere near making a decision on on pulling the trigger on it but Mm -hmm. i think this is representative of the fact that this has to have been something they've been talking about i yeah i think there's absolutely no question that every publisher has talked about it because it wouldn't make sense if they didn't, right? Like, of course, you're, yeah, you're going to talk about it. It's the action that I that I, I feel like I call into question and what Kale's referencing is like, okay, you want to move on from Diamond, cool. Take the time to do it right. Give why, everyone why ample knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Um, it just doesn't sit right, man. It just yeah. is weird. So, Marco, are you like... Are you on board with all this? I have been, I've I've been on board with with the DC with the DC decision from the perspective of it being a potentially necessary move to advance the comic industry. In in that, uh, to, to what Diane Nelson said, like I I think that there that. Diamond has been slow moving, and there was a there was an article that we had read. Um, the that I think Sean had mentioned. Um, oh no, no, the the live stream where where uh, Diamond had sort of just kind of fallen into this. It wasn't necessarily um, uh, the intention to become a monopoly, and I think from that that sort of softened my opinion on Diamond. In that you know the there is no malice there in, in what they do, but there right. is a, and I, and I, I've been saying this for years, there's a lack of innovation. And I think that people are going to take advantage of that. And if there's a way to increase that, that 
distribution, if there's a way to better optimize it, if there's a way to make it a better system, there's a potential viability in that. And because of that, I do think that this play is messy. It does not look good, but there's there's a strong potential for success. I, I really want to point something out that it, we haven't talked about at all on this show, and I, I think it's so important. UCS and Lunar are not competitors to Diamond. They're not. Yep. They only publish DC Comics, and they're the only people who are allowed to publish DC Comics. That means that Diamond and UCS and Lunar are not in competition. UCS and Lunar are competing with themselves. They're in competition with each other, not Diamond. So the ways in which UCS and Lunar look better because of the way that they've packaged their books and everything else is those are nice innovations. Those innovations and those things are not going to impact Diamond's bottom line one iota because no one is choosing them over Diamond. So this didn't even open the door for more opportunities in that regard because all the other publishers are saying, no, this isn't right. We're sticking by Diamond. So UCS and Lunar are not competitors. It it kind of reminds me of um, like the technicality under which like ISPs operate where it's like, well, it's not a monopoly. It's like, well, yeah, but if you live in so many parts of the country, you literally only have one option. Right. Or it's like, so if you want access to this service, you have a choice, I guess. To live elsewhere. Right? So, yeah. And it's it's totally the same thing here where it's like, well, if you want DC Comics, you need to go through one of these these companies. OK, cool. So basically what you're telling me now is I just have to accept two monopolies instead of one. Uh, yeah. You know, and it, it's, yeah, and it's not really a better system. Yeah, and in that same live stream that Marco's referencing, he you know, he he continued to say, Yeah, yeah, we were invested investigated by the government, but we were found out to be a good monopoly that is actually good for the industry. Uh, uh, yes. And it was like what? Well, keep in mind though, when that was done, that was the very early two thousands. And it's possible that at that point in time that was the case. Uh yeah. The, the industry was a lot smaller. There were a lot less, uh, a lot less access to internet, a lot less digital comics. That wasn't really a big thing yet. Now, I think it's perfectly fair to argue that Diamond does need competition, but this is not that. I mean, I, want, I wonder. Sorry, I, I, I wonder to what extent then other publishers' contracts will expire and have who've had the similar conversations of contingency plans don't make the make the jump if let's say they can somehow make arrangements with UCS Lunar and potentially some of the other levers that DC and Warner have access to like the penguin distribution like the Walmart distribution in which maybe there's a potential to open different avenues there and that I think is at that point, I wonder, will the second publisher be the crazy ones to follow DC's footsteps? I would be shocked if yeah, Marvel same. or Image made a decision like that. Uh, the thing about the thing about what Eric Stevenson said is that 
clearly he's a comics guy, right? Clearly he's a guy who's been around and seen these things happen and understands like in the full article, he talks about the history of the, the, the distributor wars of the eighties and nineties and everything that happened there and how we got to have diamond. Um, so clearly he's very well versed in all of that. He understands very well the pitfalls that exist when you open this door. And I would be very shocked if he were to make a similar decision. Marvel Comics is run, forget Disney, is run by people who are old school comics people that probably wouldn't want to make a decision like that if not, if for no other reason than Marvel did this before and it didn't work. Well, and not to mention they're in, they're the industry leaders, so what, they don't have any problem with the status quo. They're doing great. Yeah. The fuck do they care? They account for almost half the market. Phil, I don't I don't think I've gotten a clear picture of where you ultimately land on this, and you've you've missed some of our conversations about this. So why don't you lay it out how you feel? Um, I I haven't really laid out an objective opinion i guess from me which is i guess a silly phrase an objective opinion um (laughs) because i I, i'm not sure yet certainly certainly switching distributors in the middle of of a pandemic when pretty much every small business in the country is is either struggling or just flat out going out of business um that's vicious like while while we have unemployment of of you know record numbers dc comics decides to basically perform a predatory action by cutting the cord of diamond here because it's going to make make it infinitely more difficult for for these brick and mortar comic book stores to to you know basically ship in two different distributors right three uh what I guess I, I the part that I feel conflicted about is I don't know how this will affect the long term industry of the industry because it hasn't happened yet. We can speculate and we certainly have. Um, and the other aspect of not knowing what the future will hold is how will the coronavirus continue to affect comic books? Because the reality is we may be in the eye of the storm right now. I mean, nineteen states have reported uh, increases around the country of of. Of, of having the coronavirus and by a month from now we might be exactly where we were in april and who knows what that means for small comic book stores however what i do know and this is what you've been talking about sean is if if the pandemic only worsens throughout the summer that amplifies how bad of what dc's done because doing it right now in this potential eye of a storm i don't know what the landscape's gonna look like to the to your point phil um on the eye of the storm we we've seen the decrease of coronavirus cases and interestingly enough it, it sort of corresponds to dc leaving diamond and the cancellation of 5g so what i, I, <laughs> I guess make a 5g joke i already did <laughs> <laughs> okay that was that was that was honestly it that was it 
Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to ramp back wait, wait. up. Um, <laughs> that's good. It's, that was great. Um, yeah, no, and, and, you know, you're hearing, like, Republican lawmakers saying that, like, oh, the country can't survive another standstill, which is translation, we're not going to help the country if it's at another standstill, which basically means if, you know, if there's another shutdown in the next few months because of the pandemic, you, I don't know if we can count on the federal government to provide more stimulus checks for small businesses. So DC wanna, does this yeah. now? I want to piggyback off that because that's a really, really good point. And this is something else that uh, people don't really talk about. It. And I just have a couple of more things I want to point to and then I am all done. Um, this, what I'm about to say, comes from uh, Rich Johnston over at Bleeding Cool from the same article in which he quotes Diane Nelson. Uh, and he's kind of summarizing his feelings about all the all of this that's happened. Um, and it's a very balanced comment, but I'm just going to read one piece of it because it's something that, again, doesn't really get brought up that much. The other aspect is that Diamond plays much more of a role in the direct market than just a distributor. The reason why so many comic stores owe them such fealty is that Diamond often keeps comic stores alive by operating as a de facto bank. Diamond has given extended terms to many a store to stop them going out of business. If sales are slow and big accounts can't pay, what happens when DC comes to collect from UCS and Lunar? Will they have the cash on hand to pay DC and float default accounts? And if it all goes south, what pressures will they be able to bring to bear if those shops can still get product from every other company to keep customers coming in and the lights on, especially when they are retailers themselves and will still supposedly rely on Diamond for 75% of their product? That is a major point. And I've seen that from other from retailers themselves who have said, Diamond has allowed us to owe them a lot of money and not come knocking on our doors. That does not exist with UCS and Lunar, presumably. That's also interesting because that also, to Diane Nelson's point uh, on on a viability, that just sounds like debt. Like as from a company perspective, that just sounds like debt and potential. Uh, like, like they won't they won't call on that debt they won't have it because that sounds like they won't actually receive that money i mean i think i the, i think you got to understand something is that like you talk about this from a business perspective and i it is a business but these retailers have a relationship with steve jeppy they have a relationship with diamond it's not like gamestop and sony's big wigs communicating this is a small mom and pop, which all basically all comic book stores are, with the exception of Midtown and, you know, DCBS and some others that engage in, in a relationship with a big mom and pop. That's but, what it is. So, so the idea that Diamond would want to help keep a store open is not just from a business perspective, it's also from the perspective of, hey, man, I want you to be able to feed your family. I want you to be able to pay your employees. It's better for the industry if you exist than not. So we're not going to take you down. We're going to allow you the opportunity to pay us over time. But my, my point to that is is that if the only way that they can make money is by selling to these retailers who are indebted, then that, it, that already impacts the value at which 
diamond operates. Like it, that, that means they're already operating at a negative and they have debt. I, no, I, 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 more, more so more so as like a as as a as a statement as like wait that's what it looks like for for diamond because they're, they're a private company so they don't they're not obligated to release their financials but that inherently to me may, makes it sound like not only do they have uh buyers who can't actually pay it they then indebt themselves to them but i i think to sean's point right like it sounds like that move is being made out of the idea that a successful enough retailer like a, you know, uh, a Midtown Comics or whatever, right, who get a certain amount of product or move a certain amount of product through Diamond, like, is enough to keep Diamond afloat that they can, like, take shots on these smaller stores that are struggling and hope that their business turns around and it ends up becoming a profitable relationship because like you can think of you know like i i think of the example of like the small comic shop that uh operated in um the town i went to college in right it was the comic book store in glassboro and the that store i know from having a relationship with them like they were smaller and struggled for a few years and then when the college expanded and literally tore down a row of buildings and made a straight line between their shop and the campus their business increased exponentially to the point where they were able to buy a second store next door so that they could expand and have a section that was all about, you know, because um, they also did like board game nights and magic and stuff. So like they have a really successful business now because they were able to survive a down point and expand their market share. Um, and they have uh, now like a store that used to be you know, okay, maybe 30% of it is comics and 70% of it was taken up by game shit. And now they have a shop that's 100% comics and they're able to double down and get more indie books and have more trades on hand and do things that they couldn't afford to do before. And like, I think that sounds like the gamble that Diamond is taking on these other shops is hoping that by giving, like, giving them that wiggle room to survive the first couple rough years or survive a down point that they'll come back. And that is good for diamond because stores closing. That's, you know, a, a potential revenue stream that's closed off forever. Hmm. Fair. Yeah. I don't know. It's beside the point, but yeah, it just made me question the liquidity. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that, the comics industry is such a unique beast and it feels like dime or DC is making a move that doesn't really consider what the industry is. Clearly they want the industry to be something different than what it is. They want it to operate differently. They want it to serve them differently and they want to exist in it differently than they have for the last however long. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to watch this unfold going forward, but I'm not interested in it as a uh, spectator sport, like a game, like a basketball game. I'm interested in it as like, man, I really hope this thing that I love still exists in five years. Yeah. Or, or at the very least that the different form in which it exists is still palatable to people who want it the way it is. Yep. Yep. Um, because, I think there's a pretty significant chance that the way that we 
bought comics pre-quarantine doesn't necessarily exist in in mass the way that it does right or did right because like i think your experience sean is probably pretty safe right like i don't think midtown comics is going under um but i do worry about like the town where i grew up that has like three four healthy comic book stores in that area like i don't know that all of them survive i really don't even if midtown comics is a safe bet the industry losing dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of shops, will affect everybody. It will be harder to publish books because there will be less sales. It will be harder to ship, ship books. Everything changes. So it really is something that will cascade um, and collapse like dominoes. We can't afford it. Uh, and hopefully, the people at DC really do have their head on their shoulders and i so wish that jim lee specifically would come out and do a lengthy conversation about this choice i want to hear from him specifically about this it's he's been focused on um doing a lot of charity work and 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 fundraising for uh black lives matter and for stores and stuff like that and that's great i need to hear from him in a lengthy format about what's happening now. This might be a bit, you bring that up. Uh, this might be a bit conspiratorial, but I wonder, I wonder what Dan Didio had to say about all this. He actually um, just did an interview with uh, the same person who interviewed Steve Jeppy, the live stream we referenced before Dan Shaheen. And I watched quite a bit of it. Um, he talked, he, he didn't really say much. He didn't, he, he was asked about 5g and he kind of <laughs> Marco. <laughs> he kind of he kind of didn't really want to talk about it too much. He didn't have a lot to say. Um, and then when it that makes yeah that sort of makes sorry that sort of makes me wonder if there were broader implications of why he was let go, as well as you know maybe their excuse for the creator complaints and everything was the convenient. Uh, straw that broke the camel's back, but yeah, potentially. So that's gonna do it for our conversation about what DC has done. Uh, we're gonna talk about this quite a bit going forward because it's a, it's it's something that's evolving and it, it it matters. You know, if you're a regular reader of comics and you like this show because of our conversations about comics and movies and things like that, understand that the result of this affects you directly. It affects um, everything. Yeah. If you only read comics digitally, it still affects you. You're not safe from this just because you only read books digitally. I disagree. Okay. You're 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 flat out wrong. There's there's just it's it's impossible. You're a fool. You're 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 wrong. There's just no way you're not. Um ev everyone gets affected by this because I don't even need to describe it. Um care about this, you know, engage in conversation about this issue. Um, you know, reach out to us if you have thoughts about what's going on. You can do so in many ways. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can get us on social at thecomicspals. Uh, you can leave us a comment on YouTube if you're watching this there. Of course, you can subscribe and share uh, while you're at it and hit the notification bell so you're made aware of when we drop new content. Or you can join our Discord server where we're constantly talking about a variety of different things and uh, always having a really good time. As far as book clubs go, we do want to let you guys know that at the end of this month, 
we will be releasing the Kill or Be Killed book club. That comes out on the 30th. Right, Marco? Woo! Yep. Awesome. Uh, stay tuned for that. It's, it's, it's a really good one. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. It's a great book, and we've given you ample time to pick it up and join the conversation. So if you liked what we did last week with Dark Knight's Metal, that conversation... That's what we do every month with the book clubs. So come back. We've for that. given you ample time, and if you don't pick up the books and pay attention, you're you're gonna fail. Exactly. That's that's it. You're gonna fail. Third test. <laughs> Life is the test. Damn. They don't give you ample time when you're in college, Pete. Yeah, All right. Let's do some plugs, Pete. Thanks for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. Uh, if you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, come chat with me about what uh, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you playing? Let me know. Um, and if you want to get some more content from me, uh, you can go head over to lootpots.com where I host their weekly Nintendo podcast, The Potscast, as well as the Patreon exclusive show After Dark, uh, which you can get for a buck. And uh, yeah, come talk to me about the PlayStation 5. I'm very interested. Uh, and what's going on there. Tell me what you think of how it looks, because it's very divisive. No, message Pete about the PSP. <laughs> Yo, yeah, let's talk about the PSP. Hell yeah. <laughs> Plug your band. Oh, thank you. Yes. Um, I forgot about that. Uh, so I'm also in a band called Long Friend Time Friend, and uh, we recently put out a uh, our first single, um, which is called Mount St. Helens. You can go get it on our band camp. It's pay what you want. Um, that would be great, but uh, we're also asking that you go donate to you know, a charity that supports Black Lives, Black Lives Matter um, rather than give us the money. So go listen. Let me know what you think and uh, give some money to a great cause. I don't know, how, awesome. I, it's very I don't know how I feel about Pete becoming real life friends with like friends of mine that I've had for like an, over a decade. It's, very it's great. I, we we see each other a lot more than you do. So it's very strange. <laughs> Here's a question that I've been thinking about for a while. What's it like to have friends? <laughs> uh, what, are, what, what are we, Kim? It's pretty nice. Ugh. That's the problem. We've known each other for five years, and you don't like us. So I mean, if you, if we're not your friends, I think I think you've blown all your shots. You guys keep calling me, and if you want to keep calling me, you can call me at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W on Twitter and Instagram. Um, the new Pokemon DLC comes out this week, so that's all I'm thinking about. Is it really? I just finished. Ooh. Yep, Isle of yeah. Armor. Oh, I just finished. Just finished my very first Pokédex in the 30 years that I've been a trainer. And, Congrats. Um, wow. I'm, yeah, pumped about that. When, so. do, when does that drop, baby? What day this week? Wednesday, the okay. 17th. Okay. Yeah, Get hype. I'm pumped. Um, I wish I could have uh, earned it, but I'm going to play it anyway. So this quarantine, baby, who gives a shit? Um, you can find my comics, um, through, uh, UCS and Lunar. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> on kaleward.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com where you can check them all out for free. Awesome. Marco. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Marco Animoto and, uh, come talk to me. I'm still in my Gundam, the whole thing. Uh, finished origins, finished, uh, Oh, Oh, I'm on iron blooded orphans and then I think Unicorn is the last thing that's available on Hulu and Netflix, unfortunately, before I have to do some torrenting. But uh, le- admit that. <laughs> less, a- <laughs> but less about that. Uh, and then... Marco's uh, like, I'm going to commit a crime. Yeah, and- <laughs> let me admit that on the podcast I'm on. <laughs> and then um, I've also been reading uh, a lot more 
of the uh, DC books because of uh, the iPad. So uh, Red Sun is something that I'm currently in the middle of, as well as I read all of the digital Swamp Thing stuff that came out from Mark mm. Russell and Marco Santucci. Um, yeah, good stuff. Cool. Talk to me about that kind of stuff. And then what are the recommendations I should be uh, reading? Cool. Well, you will be reading Cry for Justice very soon, so nice. get ready to download that. Uh, I'm ready to listen to Marco Cry for Justice. Hell what yeah. about you, Phil? Uh, I'd like to say take the week, take some time to read some Denny O'Neill stuff. Uh, mm. He, I, 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 I should have mentioned it earlier, but he released one of my all-time favorite runs, which is his run on The Question. Uh, which is out of print. That's a terrific book. Uh, I mean, you could probably get it digitally or on Comixology or whatever. So you should read that. It's 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 really good. It's it's peak Denny O'Neill. And um, I just wanted to give a shout out to the fact that he came up with the name and the character for Optimus Prime. Wow. Wait, what? Really? Yeah. Well, back in the early '80s, when the Transformers were just toys uh what was it tomi or whatever not hasbro the japanese company that manufactured those toys uh tenkara whatever uh they licensed a bunch of marvel writers to come up with the names and backstories for the transformers for the wow comic and, and they did do the comics yeah and so denny o'neill was the one that came up with the name and the character for optimus prime uh actually didn't marvel cartoons produce the first okay go ahead uh i don't think they it was it was still hasbro but nevertheless uh you know just want to reiterate black lives matter and you should donate to an, any number of gofundmes uh and, and 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 charities and organizations that are are doing whatever they can to just advance a, a just and noble cause and uh 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 Needlessly self-serving, but yeah, you can follow me at Cyborg Bebop. Awesome. Uh, yeah, Marcus will me... up the question there. Oh, 1986, nice. available on the DCU app, all 40 there, issues. There you go. There you go. Nice. There you go. Or if you go to the Strand, you might look at the top shelf in the <laughs> dust-covered uh, thing. You might give it a sweep. They might, they might look at you weird, but there will be a copy up there. Don't worry. As for me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram only, at Sean Soapbox. Uh, yeah, hit me up to talk about good comic stuff. We all need it. We all love it. Let's talk about it. And with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye. Guys. Aw, oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you can have and it. But comics. <laughs> I'm going to do mine anyway. Yeah, do it. Boop, 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 boop. Hey, doctor, I don't know why I'm pissing Baja Blast. <laughs> Damn it.